na 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 Batman podcast Batman podcast na 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 Bat pod Bat pod Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to this very batastic episode we have of Cine Rebels. I'm Brent, and I'm Brett Man. I see what you did there. All right, we're gonna we're gonna really put in the the bat work and covering all things. We got a bat stravaganza for you here, folks. And and all of this is going to lead into the film that we've been waiting for for quite some time. Certainly, my anticipated film of the year, and I know Brett. I think my picking, number four or something. It was like that. it was high. It was in there. It was. It was in there. And and we're gonna we're gonna cover ground on no TV this week because we're done with it because Batman is too big to not give it all the attention we uh, it deserves. Too many Batmans, too little time here, folks. So we gotta, we just gotta hustle into it. We're jumping, we're time traveling back to 1966 to start off here, folks, because the very first iteration of Batman that we ever got in a live action film was the campy, ridiculous, quirky, shark repellent fueled mm. 66 Batman movie. I had never watched before. I sat down and watched it for this podcast. And like, I obviously knew of Adam West and Adam West's Batman. I love Mayor West and Family Guy. I, I also love Adam West as a uh, cat man in the old Fairly Odd Parents show. But this movie just really solidifies like that's his career making performance right there. And God, was it fun to watch, dude. All the villains were quirky. You got Rocky's trainer as the penguin. You got Cesar Romero and his painted white mustache. Like there's not, there's nothing to hate. It's not like the Batman movies of today, but God damn, is it fun? And it's, it's definitely, you see the cookie cutter of like what hmm. is to come with this movie. Yeah. And that's the thing right off the bat is like, it is campy, but it's one of those very few examples of like, you can go back and watch it and it doesn't really affect your viewing experience to it. Like you understand the quality of what you're watching. I know it's famous to mention the, the scene with the helicopter and them trying to tag the shark. Like you understand. So funny. Yeah. You understand it. It's a rubber shark. He's just punching it in the head. (laughs) So funny. And, and it's one of the I, I didn't return to it on this uh, hard, hard time this time around trying to find a link. I, it's funny. How HBO Max has everything you can think of towards yeah. Batman, but they don't have. I think this the, HBO Max even has the like new animated. It Adam does. West yes. Movies. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Which I, after now, I got to watch those now, too. Because You yeah. know what? R.I.P. Little... Adam West, dude, that mm-hmm. was a that was a huge loss a couple of years back. I remember how I'm like, how how is Family Guy going to uh, uh, fix or like do, deal with this? And they got Sam Elliott to play his cousin. We don't talk and, about and that guy anymore. He's the new. <laughs> what? Oh, I remember what he uh, said. I'm like, what did he do? No, not Sam Elliott. <laughs> wait, this Hollywood, is the second time know, with Sam Elliott. This is the second time I got you with Sam Elliott, too. Yeah, yeah he- I, can't, I, can't, I, I, I He just uh, he didn't like what movie? He, he, he power of the dog, but that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll yeah. have that like, conversation not, in another western. In an, that's hey, that's a pretty, that's a pretty good Sam Elliott there. Do you no, take I that around with you? Doing everywhere? Bradley Cooper in uh, Star is Born. So oh wow, damn it. Well, you know, that's a <laughs> that's a best actor right there, if you ask me. Um, but yeah, uh, it's it's a great. I mean, it's a great Batman, and it's what we had for a long time too. Because for some, like it was one of those properties that just. Didn't it feel like it was getting done? Nothing in the 70s. It's it's the biggest gap between one Batman to another. So, mm-hmm. like, that was 20 years of children's Batman. It's mm-hmm. all they had mm-hmm. until eight, 1989. And 
uh, obviously it really ignited the love and the passion for the Batman character aside from the comics and elevated him to the status that he is today selling $140 million box office weekends. Like that all started with this version of the character. And so, yeah, you got to thank Adam West for that, for sure. Mm -hmm. Burt Ward, shout out Burt Ward. We're not going to forget you, Robin. The only really good iteration of Robin we've ever gotten in a movie. (laughs) That which is true. It, it boggles my mind that we can't just handle Dick Grayson, Robin. Come on, people. But yeah, Dick Grayson, you just just do it, man. But that's that's for a conversation to come. Unless you have mu- something else to say about mm-hmm. Adam West, we can just jump directly in. Like I said, 1989 was the next time we got a live action version of Batman. And it's still to this day, maybe the most iconic version of Batman. Like, like I said, the, the Adam West version was so many people's childhood Batman. But then, like, you talk about Michael Keaton, people fucking love Michael Keaton. And I say people because I'm not necessarily one of those people. Uh, I like Michael Keaton's Batman, but he does end up on the lower end of my list, even though I think his movies are still really good, really stylized. And I I mean, I, I love Tim Burton. I've always loved Tim Burton. So you're not going to make me lose interest in that notion. But like, I don't know. I just don't think that they handle the character with nearly enough of the 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 attention that it should have that's kind of a very one note performance in my mind like every the the like the suit jack nicholson is the joker that's all super iconic and i'm running out of things to say dude come on what do you like are you waiting like i mean i was yeah yeah you oh were, you were just wait you said you, you were, were like going, this and i was like when, to when you were going on i mean it, it's kind of hard uh to stop you from talking sometimes uh yeah, Michael Keaton. And and I thought you were telling me to keep going. I was like, fuck. <laughs> no, you're okay. Good, you're good. So yeah, uh, Michael Keaton. For the longest time, he's he's been considered my Batman because this is how I got into just the character as a whole. And and re-watching the films, there's a nostalgia that hits with you. And it, it comes from Burton's Gotham. It comes from Michael Keaton's Batman, Jack Nicholson's Joker, every everyone within this cast and and I'm going to be damned if I don't mention Kim Basinger because that was an awakening. She's a babe. Swing. <laughs> Holy moly. Um, yeah. In within this film, like you can kind of see where we're going in terms of like the superhero f- uh, world and what Hollywood wants to do with it in a way, because I mean, it, going into it, like Tim Burton wasn't that of a well-known director. I mean, he just did Beetlejuice with Keaton and Keaton was known as a comedic actor. So it was really like, at that time we still we had controversy acting or castings with who's playing batman even though we haven't had examples to really um give it that uh, that direction and say or that voice and like why people need to always do it i mean jumping ahead of everything but yeah i feel like that's the case with nearly every batman casting well you can yeah I've, i've heard enough podcasts over the weekend just because of this topic itself but like batman in terms of uh, the United States, it's could probably considered the most notorious and most famous like movie, any type of character out there. Like, I mean, IP Spider Man is very arguable. I would very say, arguable. I would say that's within the top three. Yeah, I mean, I can't, I can't contest yeah. to, like the depth of everyone knowing Star Wars, but I can certainly tell you in like a world that's really much run through superheroes and and what is being played on screens if at home or in theaters. Like Batman is a central figure to that. I mean, there's not many other characters in film history that's gotten like rebooted six, yes. seven mm-hmm. times and yeah. constantly gets the same origin. And we have all these different versions of the same character. I, I'm pretty sure it's number one in like comic book adaptations. Superman, I think, has six, uh, which is pretty close. 
or no, I, would, I guess it's only technically three because it's four movies. But anyways, yeah, yeah, I totally get what you're saying. The 89 Batman is an establishing film. It's one of those films that are like, oh, fuck, comic book movies can work. Let's like start this whole 90s ignition that leads into the 2000s Spider-Mans and X-Men's. And then, boom, we got the MCU and we got the Dark Knight trilogy like it all starts here. A lot of people like to argue that it's the Superman movies. But honestly, those were another layer of that campiness that like the Adam West movies were having. This is the 89 Michael Keaton. Batman is what gave comic book movies credibility. And if you ask me, like for the longest time too, though, it had such a iconic logo, like that bright yellow. Oh yeah. And within that, that suit, like that was for the longest time, my identity with Batman was always just thinking of, of the suit and even the iconic Batmobile, like within this film and how well. Not my favorite Batmobile. I, I mean, be honest. it's yeah, it, we've certainly phallic, have gotten improved. But a lot yeah, of them are improved. a little phallic. <laughs> um, what did you think, though, of like one question that I, I want to kind of like ask within each time we get to it? But the vision that Tim Burton gave Gotham, like what what did you drew from that? Right. I mean, uh for the so we're gonna get to all four of these, but for the like these four Batman movies, the like Kilmer or the uh Burton and the Schumacher ones, yes, I love how Gotham feels like this otherworldly gothic environment where it's like the CD underwood would or the CD underworld would accumulate in this area, but like it never leaves the it never escapes the feeling of being a set for me, mm-hmm. which hurts it, but. It's not like I don't like it. Uh, it's just we now have like I think I made a note about again. I'm jumping, uh, going to jump all over the place a little bit. But when I talked about the Batman Begins movie, it felt so good being in a real scene, like in a real city, in a real mountainscape. It felt bigger. It felt more epic in scale instead of feeling so confined like in the set. But like, yeah, like I said, the just the gothic Tim Burtoniness of it all, it, it, it does wonders. It makes it so it's not just a set. It's a Tim Burton set. I think it's a it's a fantastic environment and like the yeah, atmosphere I mean, that yeah. he gives you. It's just it's, it feels small, dude. It feels like there's 30 people in Gotham and they're all always invited to the like big town square announcements, and that's where all the attacks happen. And and it's but in like you said, that small setting, like it's really nice because we, the reason why I bring that up though is obviously Gotham is just as important to Batman and Bruce Wayne. We haven't even talked about Bruce Wayne. But Gotham does certainly play a very important part within like the story you're creating. Like you can't just have some loosey goosey city that doesn't really mean anything to the central story. Like Gotham does play a part. Right. Bat- no one give a fuck is. about Batman if he was saving Cleveland. Oh, man, that's brutal. Ouch, brutal. dude. You could, R.I.P. You all throw, people yeah. from Cleveland. I just you destroyed man. your asses. We just lost the James as a follower. I'm that's starting a war say. today on uh, versus Cleveland. <laughs> fuck you. Cle- I'm just kidding. Uh, Cleveland rocks. Um, what is yeah? What do you think of Michael Keaton's Bruce Wayne though? Like we haven't really talked to that one. It's um, kind of the same feeling I have with this Batman. He's just almost there, and, and like I didn't obviously didn't grow up in the eighties, and like yeah, the curly hair was probably a style, but like he doesn't, he never like melts into that like look of that Bruce Wayne that I always imagine that I see in the comics, like the broad shoulders, the slick back, dark hair, the chiseled jaw. That's not totally Keaton. Not that he's a bad actor and not that he doesn't give a bad performance. It's just him. His look is distracting to me. It does. I don't get Batman from it. 
and I don't get Bruce Wayne from it even more because like, yeah, the Batman suit is amazing, but still the faces he makes under that cowl and like the way in returns, it takes you out of the film when he takes off his helmet and his eye black is just gone, even though it was there the scene before, like little things like that. Like, obviously, hey, this it just this it is, takes you out of the situation. This is the only Bruce Wayne. All right. Where we got you want to get nuts? Come on. Let's get yeah, that's not that doesn't that is not Bruce Wayne. Bruce Wayne is good enough to keep his level headedness <laughs> always. He got it, though. Always. Nah, I don't know that's, about that. That's that's more Michael Keaton than it is. Exactly, Bruce Wayne. But that's what I'm saying. That's yeah. more Beetlejuice than Bruce Wayne for sure. It's I mean, it's it's a it's, it's not a bad performance. It. It's it's the it's the standard for a lot of people. So I and I can understand why just it's not it's not as up there for me. Um. Yeah. Uh, any anything else you want to add with 1989? Uh, well, we can talk. We got oh, Jack well, Nicholson. I guess we're talking. We let's talk, well, let's talk about both of them, because like, obviously, we're on Keaton. We talk about returns. Sweet, sweet, sweet. Well, for which, the, I would say for, from the beginning with Jack Nicholson, I mean, this was the Joker. And obviously, we'll get into yeah, it as we get further yeah. into it. Now that we but have we had again, this before Mark Hamill and like we had this Joker as our our, you know, when we closed our eyes and we envisioned the clown prince like this is what we had. And at that time, Jack Nicholson was lovers. a phenomenal. Yeah. <laughs> Jack Nicholson was a phenomenal actor. And so having him cast Big in this role, name. he was top billed for the film. And like that goes to show you how much of, a, of an icon Nicholson is within Hollywood itself. Like he's royalty in a way. And well, that's like Marlon Brando getting top billing yeah. in the Superman movie. So it's like, it's, exactly. it's almost a time on tradition yeah, of just like very the low name. screen time. Um, and yeah, I mean, and he knocks it out of the park. I mean, his really performance, yeah. it never gets old. Like even watching it, like you can understand, like it might seem a little silly. It never gets old, but in this viewing, it felt uh, it's almost the same. Like, it's funny enough. It's almost the same thing as the Batman reasoning. But like, I, I see more Jack Nicholson than I see Joker. Well, I, I wonder if that has to come with the fact that we've gotten different visions. More Jack of Torrance and less Jack Napier. What? Wait a minute. He only plays people named fucking Jack. What the hell? And some and most films. <laughs> that's like three movies. I mean, it's just, row. I, yeah, that's just I just noticed that as I was saying it. That's pretty funny. Um, but it should. And I think as we're well, I mean, with talking about Nicholson's Joker, though, but involving Keaton within what we have with Batman and where we get to in Batman returns. Trans, yeah, it's transitioning he, to like the, the smorgasbord of villains. This movie is the start of, Hey, let's just dump as many villains into the plot as we can. Cause like, not only do you have Danny DeVito iconically as the penguin, which we, I mean, people, people have, have their opinion. The, that fucking love it, dude. We have the Michelle Pfeiffer as Catwoman. The Michelle Pfeiffer as Catwoman folks. The only one. Well, uh, and then you can kind of, I mean, I guess you can also throw in Christopher Walken playing yeah, Matt Shriek. Dude, he's literally a completely unnecessary character. And and to be honest, I think it only took me like the last like 10 years after watching it for so many times to realize that that's actual villain, you know, like that's not just some character they put within the, you know, the story. Like it has the background within the, the comics Somewhat, and all that. But yeah. like no one cares. It's it was a weird I, and, yeah. It's like, they, you know, they, maybe they they walked up to Christopher and asked if he wanted to be in the Batman. We also have Harvey Dent, but he's not in the form of Two-Face yet. Yeah, in both movies. In yeah, both it's kind of bullshit. Mm-hmm. Billy D, bro. Yeah, Billy and especially if, with the actor of him playing the role. Wait, can I tell you something real quick? You know what Billy D. Williams' real name is? I have no idea. It's William December Williams. I apologize. Wow. That's yeah. Mm. 
It's pretty pretty impressive. Um, but, <laughs> but I mean, yeah, uh, Mike, Michael Keaton coming back for Batman Returns. Uh, but still... my, pr- but like, but wait, what I have my issue with in this movie is that he barely comes back, dude. There, this movie does a lot of Catwoman, mm-hmm. a lot of penguin running for mayor a lot of max shrek pushing women out the windows but then like the person that is shafted like wholeheartedly in this movie is batman Mm -hmm. in batman returns he hardly returns in this movie and this almost starts like a string of things like you were already mentioning earlier uh about the dark knight like or whatever it's they get focused in on the villains and this is the start of that and like love it or hate it it kind of diminishes your batman movie i used to be all about batman returns i used to have it higher than the first one and with this rewatch it it, it lost points with I, me. no i, I still find it i still find it that slaps i mean as I, long as it's entertaining Fife, as but long as it's Fife not as good there, of a I'm batman like, movie yeah i mean you make a strong point though in terms of like the villains take a central uh, role in this because of how the story plays out I mean, you do get Danny DeVito who turns into like a sinister version of the penguin. He is like a creature. Dude. It's and uh, it's oh, unbelievable. It starts off with Pee Wee Herman as his dad ditching yeah. his ass. Mm-hmm. So love he that. yeah, so it, it love that ties in that that orphan connection that Bruce Wayne has, and it spends a lot of time on the whole like the penguin running for mayor, and then also ties into like this Catwoman and the relationship that she has with Batman, and then finding out like. It's Bruce Wayne. And so you have that conflicting uh, love story that they always I uh, will say rope in there. I got to say that my favorite scene in that whole movie is when they're dancing at the party and they both they at the same time realize mm-hmm. who each other's are. And they're like, fuck, do we have to fight now? I don't want to do that. Like they both wholeheartedly just want to have this time with each other and not just accept the truth in that moment. And it's and it shows and. It's it's maybe the strongest piece of acting in either of the movies, and I love that scene. If I mean, if Michelle Pfeiffer ever looked at me, I would be like, <laughs> Alfred, you can be Batman. I'm out. We're 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 leaving Gotham. We're wrapping. Dude, it up. I dude, I was just thinking about <laughs> this, like, or with Zoe Kravitz, or like anytime these like women are like, just let's get out of here, let's go away. Anytime Catwoman's like, let's just go. <laughs> I don't think I could be Batman because I'm not strong enough, man. I would be like, all right, let's get the fuck out of here. I would not be, I'm not, I'm not going to be a superhero, man. I do not put my city first. I'm like, all right. Yeah, let's go. uh, And Hathaway, let's go. You, uh, you make sure you put out steins that prevent Batman or Catwoman from coming into your city. No cats allowed. We have a strict (laughs) no cat policy. Oh, that's so funny. But it's true, dude. And it's like, that's also a character point of Batman. He knows what's up. He's like, he's, he is, he is diehard, just like devoted to the job. And that's the end of the story. Mm-hmm. And and I know that with what you're saying with your rewatch and how it's kind of like dipping in what, but I, I mean, I still like my flowing, man. Like it, it went, it would go up yeah. and down sometimes. It's, I guess it, I mean, it really just depends on my mood, but I don't know why it just, it didn't click with me on this watch. I it could just be like the whole '90s part of it, though, too. Like it really wasn't it. bad because I still like the style. I I really think it was more just like the apparentness of how little Batman I was getting throughout this movie. Like I maybe well, just never noticed that. Before. I mean, I don't I don't want to jump the shark here, but no, we'll be getting to you know. Who let, has then, then, how about you just time. don't? Because <laughs> <laughs> I can return to this Batman and have that same conversation. Uh, whatever but i think i i think i'm okay i've, I've said all i need to say about michael mm-hmm. keaton he is yeah. he's not the worst 
And and he's I think not when the you're, worst. When you're and like, I'm a little shy to say that he is like one of the best, but I will say he's easily one of the most influential. Oh yeah, I mean, there's, I mean, to not to to mention it, but there's that really notorious line in the film Neighbors where Seth Rogen and Zac Efron are talking about like who's their Batman, and it's oh, more gen. I'm Batman. It's their generational. Oh, I'm Batman. Told to it, and 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 that's the same like. He started the whole Batman voice too. Like he was like, we got to have to separate the character of Wayne and Batman. And so he pulled in that to, to change the voice. In True. A way. Adam West wasn't really putting on much of a voice. He was just like, great Scott, Robin. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I just I mean, turned him into Doc Brown. <laughs> that's 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 the that's Michael Keaton for you. And and we'll yeah. we'll rank. Yeah, we'll get to a point where we might. Rank right. Him. By by the end. But mm-hmm. like. But this, but this, uh, this next Batman, uh, Batman Forever, nineteen ninety five. Love this Batman from from the uh, love this movie unabashedly. uh, Director Joel Schumacher, who you could probably never in a million. I would say the equivalent of a director like that today would be, I mean, M Night Shyamalan. (laughs) In a way, I mean, I was honestly, I was going to say like, uh, I mean, Zack Snyder in a way is kind of similar vein, you know. There's a flamboyance to his directing. Yeah, I would say that. Mm -hmm. So, so this this film does not bring back Keaton, and I want to say it was because of like, uh, was it the story? I I think, yeah, I'm pretty sure with with the Dark Knight Return or not the Dark Knight Returns. That's a really good Batman story. Batman Returns. I think what ended up happening was just like it was way too dark for audiences, and they're like, "All right, we gotta like 180 this shit and now. <laughs> we gotta go give us some neon. light, campy, and re- ridiculous, and turn on the neon lights, and brighten yeah. this whole thing up for everyone." Yeah, and I think they just went too extreme on that. Like, besides Kilmer's performance, which I think is excellent, I think he is one of two of the Batman's that got shafted the hardest out of the, all of them. This is another example where the villains overshadow the Batman so much so that like Val Kilmer has actually came out in his own documentary saying like he was like sidelined and he couldn't hear anyone and he felt isolated because no one was talking to him in the Batman suit. And so like he just had a miserable fucking job watching uh, Jim Carrey and Tommy Lee Jones try to out ham each other while Tommy Lee Jones was secretly also hating Jim Carrey and shit just feel like. No one had a good time making this movie and it could have been so much better, man. These character castings are like on point and you just went way too far over the top with everything. I mean, it's it's Val Kilmer is definitely like he does a great job at playing the role of Batman and he, he does a kinda, great job playing Bruce Wayne, was, bro. I mean, you're, you're reading my mind. I was going to say he ups the level of, of Bruce Wayne and it kind of gives people that, that come into this. That debonair, that that character he's putting on because he's like smiling and giving that like happy expression. It's it's really it, he sells it super well, even if it's not the most divergent from one character to another. It's still that one to two duality of the of the character where you see him working as the detective in out of the costume a little bit trying to solve these stupid little riddles that are child's play for anyone compared to like him as Batman, who he's just like, he's nearly the same character, but he is changing up his voice. But I, again, if I think he just needed more to do. He, and I think the issue with that though, is there was too many villains within the story. And yeah, then you, yeah, you also exactly. not to discredit this actress, but I mean, Nicole Kidman is, 
I will say it within this episode because we we're not talking about awards here, but Nicole Excuse Kidman, me, Golden Globe winning actress. She is she's an Nicole Academy, Kidman. She's please. an Academy Award winning actress. Um, <laughs> she she's I mean she's certainly uh, 1995. She's almost at the top of her wheelhouse. Um, but yet her character, character is completely does, unnecessary. Yeah, I mean you're really reading my she's, head. She's there here. to she's there to want to fuck Batman. And, I mean and Bruce Wayne. Yes. Uh, well, more so Batman. But no, she chooses Bruce Wayne in the end, and that's why we get that dumbass smile. The okay. gif, like the this what that like no, the only, meme. You know what the, I'm talking about, though? Yeah, the only thing that was uh, but yeah, it didn't need Nicole Kimmon, and then you're already having Tommy Lee Jones, Andrew McCary, who I know offense to Kilmer, but are very big castings ahead of him. Huge and yeah, and like you said, like they're fighting with each other on the set, and that's gonna take and Joel Schumacher does nothing to control it. And this was like 96, right? 95 sure. 95 right okay so 95 yeah. this is the this is literally the year after jim carrey does dumb and dumber ace ventura and he pops the off the map yeah he pops off this, right the yeah. literally right One off of the those biggest three sets he's the biggest star there. in yeah. comedy right now and they mm-hmm. lock him down to play the riddler and it they it, perfect, they give him a decent attempt at the character yeah. they, but he like where's the suit <laughs> right and it just it ends up becoming just it's a flooded. battle between hamminess between the two actors. And it's really just, and, and like, I'm not in with Val Kilmer, like work. he had heat come out in the same year. And so like, he's doing a lot right now himself. And, mm-hmm. and with Tommy Lee Jones and Jim Carrey, like with how they are as actors are great, but like, I'm not good on terms of like the comic books, but two face and Riddler, I'm not sure how they gel with one another. Like, I, I don't know if they have, the camaraderie no, that they, you would expect. they can but the problem is the, the the difference between like when they would gel in the comics is like two-face is like just shut the fuck up riddler like he is stoic he is angry he is like not this is what i'm saying like ah, i feel like like, like not trying to laugh him out goofball him with his fucking drew barrymore and his other chick like it's just the riddler being goofy and talking in riddles and like dancing around like that is very much riddler jim carrey takes it to his own jim carrey level but then, like, Tommy Lee Jones does the exact opposite of how you should play Two-Face. You should play Two-Face like fucking Aaron Heckard plays Two-Face in the Dark Knight trilogy, period. That um, is so good. But that's well, not the, what we got. We have we got an actor who had a fucking uh, complex issue and was like, oh, I got to outdo this other guy because I'm the, I'm the big actor here. Well, and I would actually admit, though, the makeup that Two-Face has isn't bad. Like, I mean, it's pretty good no, and straight on, it's yeah. on with the character. And so yeah, the it's, production it's design of his hideout yeah. is super sick where it's like right down the line. It's his two yeah. halves. I like mm-hmm. I like a lot of that stuff. The, yeah, the, the white and dark. Um, uh-huh. The other thing, though, that's really, I would say, bad within this film, though, is, is Chris O'Donnell's performance. Robin. Um, oh, yeah. That Fuck, laundry. God, he's in this movie. That laundry scene. I mean, I cringed so hard when I was rewatching it. I was like, this can't be real. I mean, this is. This I is just, bad. How old was this guy when they gas him? Like 32? And he's playing like they're like, oh, child protective services has to come or whatever. And they're you're and they were like, and he's like, nah, that's the only reason why I agreed to come here is so I could just ditch. And I'm like, what the fuck? You're like 40, man. Just leave. Well, I learned this recently. Um, when Mark Wahlberg was going around and doing heck, he's on a press tour with a couple of movies and whatnot, but and he turned down the role of Robin. Like he was. You know who also was up for that role? Leonardo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The well, fuck are they doing? I'm who? aware. He, he Leo could at least been better, right? Just a little bit better. Where Where is Chris <laughs> O'Donnell now? 
uh, NCIS Los Angeles. Yeah, exactly. But he's had like 12 seasons of that. So you can, well, I think it ended recently, but you can still say that he's done very well That's with not TV. as well. All right. He, he's not <laughs> on the level of our boy. So, but what if that ended up derailing Leo's career completely? How uh, sad would that make you? Uh, well, no. I mean, because his career took off because of a derailing. Well, it was more of a sinking of a ship, but still. It. <laughs> you didn't like that. All right. That's really cheesy. That was as uh, cheesy as the riddles well, that Jim Carrey thinks of. Well, no, nothing is that cheesy as as Batman and Robin. I mean, when we get into our introductions <laughs> here with with this film, like I don't know what a transition. I don't know how we can talk about it. I mean, it's very important to mention. And before, like, obviously getting onto like the mess within the film, but yeah, it's you know, it's important to mention like a bad girlfriend that like makes you think about who you are and then you change for the better. That's Batman and Robin. This this movie is a <laughs> failure on all fronts, but at the same time, you can kind of say, and I've heard it said through a lot of people, is like the the way this film failed, it allowed everything after it to be such a good success because the studio decided like they stopped making the, like a third one because there was going to be a third one, and they looked you know behind the curtain and was like, we have to find a way to make this more successful. And they re-strategized their plan and their vision with Batman and with everything within the story and like the comic books. And so they had to put a lot of it on hold just because of how bad this was and how bad it was. It starts at the front. I mean, you cast George Clooney as Batman and no offense, like we were just saying with Val Kilmer and what he did with Bruce Wayne. That's what they did with this one. They didn't care about the character Batman. They wanted to get someone to play Bruce Wayne. And you can't do that when you're having a Batman film. And this was at the time where George Clooney is in ER, which is one of the most successfully run shows on network TV at the time. And he plays, he's playing Batman. So it doesn't sound like a bad beat, but it turns out to be horrible because then you get Arnold Schwarzenegger as Mr. Freeze and Uma Thurman as Poison Ivy, which isn't horrible. But when you boil in Bane and you still bring in Chris O'Donnell's Robin and then you introduce Alicia Silverstone yeah. as uh, um, Batwoman. A, a mutilated Batgirl when it Batgirl. comes to her character. Yeah. It's it's a mess. I mean, and, and Joel Schumacher does come back to direct this. And it's, it's I mean, it's very cheesy, very, I mean, the puns with Mr. F- and that's the other thing with this one is uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger was top build. And you're just like, what the fuck? Like, it's in, it's bizarre how looking back at it, that this film is what even watchable. The dinosaurs, the ice age. <laughs> yeah, please. I, I don't, when I was rewatching it, dude, the thing is Arnold knows what movie he's yeah, in. He oh, might be 100%. the only actor that knows exactly what kind of movie this is in the sense that like, He's not taking it seriously, but giving 110% into his performance because it's his emotional side when they're talking about his wife and get doing the, the Mr. Freeze character. You see the emotion. He's trying. He's doing his very best. But someone in the, wrote in the script these fucking terrible ice puns, and he has to deliver them well, as an I actor. Would, and and it I sucks. I think you can probably agree with me on this one is because of how – Schwarzenegger played Mr. Freeze, it created the character to be so bad that it was never done again on live screen. Right. Which like it, the adaptation yeah. was horrible. Yeah. Like, if, like I know a little bit because the animated Batmans, when they introduced Mr. Freeze, it was one of the coolest characters out there. And like Dude, it was yeah. wanted to be done it's, instantly. It's no, no, no. The I, I, oh God, I might be sub zero. 
No, 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 no. Oh. It's Batman. It's the episodes in the animated series, yes, which is yeah. basically the, ice, the, the yeah. Mr. Freeze origin. It's called Heart of Ice Part One and mm-hmm. Two. I'm pretty sure those won that show Emmys. They are the episodes they entered for Emmy consideration, and mm-hmm. that's what won them the award. Is given- those episodes about Mr. Freeze and his tragic yeah, well, that's story what, that's what, yeah, you're, with his wife, you're and it, it's mm-hmm. like so it's they they do it so deep and they give there's there's compassion so much and nuance you can connect to, with and exactly it, yeah. and compassion mm-hmm. to the character of victor freeze and what he's trying to do it's one of those situations where you're on the side of the villain wanting to see him succeed because he's only doing this out of pure love and that's kind of just like pushed to the side for again for fucking puns. ice puns yeah and and a weird spiky tank that jumps off of the finger of this empire's whatever statue Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's I mean, it's, and it's embarrassing. It was a waste. And we're, we'll get to it, man. But I I, know. I need to see Mr. Freeze done right. I do. I really do. And and I don't want to say that Poison Ivy's performance. I mean, uh, Uma Thurman's performance is Poison Ivy was bad. Like she did the best she it's, could yeah, with the, the material. It's not any less campy or cheesy as any of the I, other performances in, yeah. in the movie. And it's I mean, it still just can't be unnoticed. But yeah, it, and it. Is this, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, because like I really try to burn this movie out of my memory, but is this the one that ends with the kiss on a rose song by Seal as they're running? Oh, no, 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 no. That's Batman Forever. Okay. All right. Well, I, I like that. I like that part with Batman Forever. So then at least we can keep that in. But, um, but I mean, but, but, uh, but I mean, hell, I mean, that's, that's Batman and Robin. I mean, it's, it's one of those, it's one of those, uh, really bad notes on your, you know, on your sheet, it's there and you can't remove it. You know, it's stained. It really is stained. Yeah. It's an easy decision to, for what to put last. Mm-hmm. Um, so you want to. So, skip ahead. yeah, you we're going to we're going to skip right? ahead a little bit, folks. We're going to save the conversation about Nolan's trilogy for a little bit later because there's just so much to talk about there. But first and foremost, we we skipped over one of the Batman movies. We we are going to talk about the animated movies that came out, the the like theatrical released animated Batman movies. And you talked about how the introduction to Batman for you was Michael Keaton's Batman. The introduction for Batman for me is what we were just talking about, the 92 Batman, the animated series, and subsequently the movie Batman, the Mask of the Phantasm, which I think of like uh, like being animated and connected to the show aside, it's easily the best Batman origin film we have had to date, period. I mean, you can kind of say it's probably out of the top the three of Batman movies, period. Yeah, we have so much material and so much stuff we can pull from it. Like even obviously, like I said, with listening to a bunch of Batman podcasts over the weekend, like this was mentioned a lot. Yeah. Like, I mean, even even with our new one, Patton, the came intelligent out Batman drew, fans yeah. know. About he drew yeah, he drew inspiration from this to, to create his role. So this this film it, and the best part about this movie is that it, it has a great story within it. Like it's in it's original to story. the yeah, it's really good. And it's an incredibly it's an incredible implementation or an incredible implementation of a you like a new unique character that ties completely into the origin of the of Bruce Wayne deciding to become Batman and the way it's able to like mess with time and like tell this story uh, out of order, reveal the information to us like as it does is masterful. And one of the best things about this movie is you don't have to watch the entire four season show to get it because it works so well on its own. 
And I know this is the Batman podcast and we're supposed to talk about Batman. So like Kevin Conroy is Batman to me. He is the the epitome of that. And I know he doesn't have to pull double duty of being the physical presence of Batman. But the what what he does with his voice, giving Batman as a character his two distinct personalities at all times by just slightly changing the tone of his voice. You can always tell when he's in Batman mode and when he's pretending to be Bruce Wayne. And that's the dichotomy of the character that I've always loved. And that's why that's what I need to see when I see any iteration of Batman is that I need to be able to see that he knows that he is the Batman. And that is his main. That is who Bruce Wayne is deep down. And the playboy, the, the, the billionaire philanthropist, that is the mask. And that all started with this show for me. And that is why I, I mean, and this movie and I fucking I just can't. I love this movie so much. I remember I never got I didn't see it in theaters. It came out before I was born, but Kids WB would run it all the time. And like as they were running through the sh- uh, episodes of the show. And I, I always loved it, man. I always watched it. it was well, so he gives. Good. Yeah, he get, he gives the character a bigger identity than you can imagine and right. how you and how you are with i mean yeah yes obviously in, I, in 85 minutes too dude yeah and like you're saying with with this film and also with just the animated tv show like we both watch that but like with myself and being how much of a fan i am within the arkham asylum video game and the arkham series like he voices that character and just does a tremendous job at just bringing that in that animated voice to another level. I mean, it's, it's fantastic. He is the voice I hear when I read the comics. And that is, that is as high praise you can give to someone who's doing an iteration of a comic book character. Because now in my mind, when I read a comic book that has Batman, I'm still hearing Kevin Conroy's voice in my brain. And I would say the same thing about the iteration of the Joker that we get in this movie, Mark Hamill. He is my Joker he will always be my Joker, no matter how many live action iterations we get, because he's fucking funny. And that is what a lot of the Joker's iterations have been missing over the years. He is genuinely hilarious. He his laugh is perfect. He is perfectly demented. And he when when he gets mad, he gets fucking scary. And mm-hmm. so I I just I love I mean, Luke Skywalker, bro. I mean, who who would have thought this would be his second biggest role? Uh, but no, apparently not. And and like I don't want to obviously put it uh, put too much of a note on it and whatnot. But like within, there's so many. When you're going into animated Batman, there's a whole realm of that on its own. And right. I know um, Jason Amara, there's an entire voiced, catalog. Yeah, yeah. Jason Amara played him in during a lot of my animated rewatches. Um, I just I wasn't like as invested in like what he brought to it because there's just no way you can replace Conroy on that. And even my beloved Jensen Eccles did did the role too. And like, I still just couldn't, I couldn't grasp the like, you know, like I still know it's off. You can't unhear Kevin Conroy. Mm -hmm. It's that, it's that, uh, a stat, like it's that iconic. It's that ingrained in everyone's brain because it's, it's so perfect. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and then switching into another though, like, and this just I right. Would say we might as his, well go into this one. Absolutely. Strongest competition. All right, I would say his strongest competition is the Lego Batman's Will Arnett, who I I mean, very underrated actor to begin with, in my opinion, comedian, and I mean, he brings a type of gravitas to this role that like you wouldn't even expect. Like, he doesn't take it 
too camp or anything like he really brings it serious and it's it's a joy to watch i mean it really it really is i i would honestly say like because we've had the 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 first lego movie and that's where he kind of like made his jump into it but i could imagine that like this movie didn't have to be as good as it was. And it right. was Dude, this easily could have been an incredible mess. And it could have yeah. been just for like mm-hmm. little Absolutely. kids yeah. to love and watch and sing the songs, blah, blah, blah. But what they actually did was give us a Batman movie that ripped to pieces the like the idea of the Batman and like I, his isolation and like how he like is basically just scared of having a family again and losing them and like uh, like it's a fear of commitment and the way and the, the way they just tear apart that and then every single batman trope and movie and reference all in one big actually well-written story with like a butt ton of ip it was so entertaining and like the fact lego movies work the, as well as they do blows my mind they have incredible people behind the writing and directing and the animation so like hats off to them the animation style of lego movies as a whole mm-hmm. is so mind-blowing and detailed as like a lego builder you're like oh i recognize that piece and this piece and because like all the things are fucking built with lego it's crazy uh but yeah like you said will arnett just like really gets deep down into like the core emotional psyche of batman and it's totally unnecessary for a movie of this nature but they did it anyways, and it makes that it makes it that much better and that much more enjoyable for like us adults who are also ready to enjoy these movies. It's it's a, it's really good. Um, and at the same time, Lego Batman's out. We have another actor who's playing. Right. Yeah. Again, Batman. we went out of order. Then I'm taking over this podcast for a minute, Brent. This is my podcast okay. because this is. I, I want to talk note. about this. I want to have one note. All right, because I didn't write anything down. But obviously, wow. this is very pro athletic and any person that is anti athletic can burn at the stake for all I care. But we respect Ben Affleck's and we know what the has bat- happened. We know we what know the Batman what- character did to him. It's we, we know sent him into it. alcoholism again. Yes. And, and, and that's some reasons, you know, why it's a hard subject. But yeah, one of many I'll reasons you, why this is a bummer to talk about. I, but I want uh, I know I gave you so much trouble for it, but I want I you will to not be and, stifled on this podcast. Brent, go ahead and talk about the Batman with the least cream time. This is accurate. <laughs> and it's a goddamn fucking shame of it because Ben Affleck is still in my mind. Even all these movies, the, the Batman watch is still the best live action iteration of Batman. And it's fucking bullshit that we never got a Batman movie starring Ben Affleck. And we've only gotten sprinkled him into like bullshit scenes and suicide squad. And he got like half of his own movie and then like a fifth of his own movie in, in the, in a four hour movie. And like all the little shit that we get of Ben Affleck is Batman is fucking amazing and perfect. And he, he has the character down just like I said with Kevin Conroy, he has the Bruce Wayne, where he's putting on a fucking show and like, this is like me acting. And then he goes and he can just turn into the Batman, always thinking about like the, the situation at hand. And he also fucking looks like the Batman. He looks like Bruce Wayne. He's big. He's strong. He's, he's suave. He's fucking handsome, bro. And he just, it's every, every aspect of his iteration of the Batman works for me. Every single one. And it's fucked up that he didn't get his chance and that we'll never see that because literally it made him fucking hate his life for a while. And that sucks. And the last we're going to see of him is in this flash movie that comes out this year. And I'm going to be really sad after that. Well, and it should go without note though. Um, Ben Affleck was going to write 
direct and star in the Batman, which is something that no one has which done then before. evolved into Matt Reeves coming onto the project. But Matt Reeves was like, I want to do like a uh, like a second year oh. Batman story. So I need a younger actor. And then mm-hmm. Ben Affleck was like, and yeah, honestly, I don't really even want to do this anyways, because they weren't willing to make my story, blah, blah, blah. And his it's story just, was fantastic. Because and yeah, I, yeah, it was going to involve Arkham Asylum. And that's what dude. we've been waiting on. I mean, hardcore fans really want that, too. I know, yeah, absolutely. And it's I'm I'm here defending my Snyderverse stands because you know there's those people out there, there's that loud minority that's just like, all right, there we're not gonna go, we're not gonna go without a fight. Like we still want everything Snyderverse. We want all these movies, all these projects. But Ben has said it himself, man. He doesn't want to keep playing the character, and it, it fucking sucks because I really think knowing what we know he can do and seeing what the character what he brought to the character i can only imagine he would have the best batman movie in my mind but we will never know and it's such a fucking bummer like you said the the, the ben affleck directed starring written movie is pro- one of like my three most uh wishful thinking movies that i want to bring into existence that almost were and it's just it sucks but i love him it's a damn shame. It really, I mean, I mean, dude, the yeah. scene in BVS when he's saving Martha again, even after seeing 2022's The Batman, it is the best bat fight sequence, period. It, it is him fighting and moving and beating up bad guys more like the Batman than has ever been put to a live action screen. And you can't, I can't be argued otherwise. There's a lot of great shit in this new Batman movie, and we'll get into that. But like that, it's still it, that still goes unbeaten for me. And Ben Affleck's performance still goes unbeaten for me. So moving on to the next Batman. And we decided that it would be nearly impossible to talk about all these Christian Bale movies. Just the two of us, because our two closest movie friends are two of the biggest Christopher Nolan Batman stands to walk the face of this earth. Well, so we Batman, but Christopher Nolan in general. Well, I mean, yeah, they would do things to Christopher Nolan that are like unspeakable in front of God. So if they can control time, that would happen. Yeah. Uh, But all that being said, reintroducing from last episode, our last last episode, (laughs) it was the last episode. It was last last episode. No, what? Allegedly. (laughs) Uncharted was like two weeks. Oh, shit. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. (laughs) Two weeks ago, but still, well, welcome back to the podcast, Yanni. Yeah, we're glad to have you. This guy running this podcast doesn't even know his own show. Bro, it's one a week, man. They all blur together. He's trying to cut the scenes again. Yeah. Skip the cut scenes again. I'm going to cut all yeah, of this. He's trying to cut. Oh, this is good. This is good. All right. But we didn't just bring Johnny back for you folks. This is, a, this is our first foursome. Well, not mine, but. Well, <laughs> yeah. We'll talk more about that later off air. Uh, but we brought on someone who we never thought we would see on the podcast because, you know, we actually didn't think he was listening. We've been talking a lot of shit about him all this time. And like, yeah, this is a fact that he actually came on is pretty guy. impressive. Yeah, we, uh, had to, we had to really reach through some contacts to get a hold of him. Jump through some major hoops to get him here on the podcast, folks. But here he is. Hashtag not my movie man himself. Chase. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast, my man. Thank you guys for having me. Yeah, you finally I, uh, made it. I finally I made it on here. I finally watched Monday, and uh, 
But yeah, yeah you, you you checked all the boxes <laughs> and requirements yeah. for being yep. on this podcast. Absolutely. Yeah. And now the, you're here, bro. The only 14, thing 15 episodes in. Yeah, the only thing missing is your parent permission slip, which I'm imagining that is, is true. in the mail. That is true. Yeah. So we got to keep this conversation yeah. rated G, <laughs> yeah. folks, unfortunately. So, Chase, go ahead I and forgot, just give like I a... I forgot to pay for the, the two-day shipping on that. Right. <laughs> Goddamn. Chase, all go right. ahead and give a quick uh, a quick intro of like what you like. Movies, yeah. directors, all that jazz. That is yeah, a movie. Gonna, let's steal Blaine's bit real quick. True. Because he forgot um, you. I, got, I know. <laughs> in terms of like movies I like... Uh, my top five is uh, Interstellar, Inception, The Dark Knight. Oh. <laughs> uh, I'm noticing a theme. Yep. Yep. Okay. And then, and then this is where it cuts. What about the prestige? Like, way left. It also goes to that awkward moment Tenet? in Twenty One Jump Tenet, Street. Right? <laughs> You're not even gonna Wait. say what's right behind you, my guy. Oh, I know. No, we're not here for guess, that. We're not here. No, for that's that. not. That's a whole different that's podcast. A, that's a whole we're not even gonna tell you what we're talking about. And and as he mentioned, those the three of those fives. That it's why we brought him here. It's why we have Johnny here. So let's not waste any more time. Let's go ahead and get into it. Let's let's bring us into what rejuvenated Batman as just not just um, a character, but as a franchise as, as a whole within cinema, and really redefined what the superhero genre is now and like truly what started it. Because right. if you He's ask a, me, like it turned Batman into a yeah. pinnacle of cinema, mm-hmm. not just comic books well, and a money machine. I mean, it was a money machine, but like this really elevated it because also overseas grabbed a hold of that too. Mm-hmm. And, and that Absolutely. speaks to tongue. Yeah. Um, and it should be noted that this Batman is Christian Bale and right. to many, he is beloved Batman and a beloved um, Bruce Wayne for a second there. I forgot who the other guy was, but, <laughs> We've been I'm not bad, like bad. we haven't been talking about it. And he's very good at both of those. Absolutely. Yeah. And he introduced the well, Keaton introduced the voice and it's been translated upon others. But Bale, like, I guess you could say identified it as its own, like itself. Like he had an identity. He kind of pushed it to a whole nother level, <laughs> yeah. but not, yeah. not necessarily in Batman Begins. He kind of keeps it rained back when he's if the voice in Batman Begins is easily the best uh, he does of the voice. But yeah, starting off there. Batman Begins, it's basically a year one adaptation. We see how Bruce Wayne becomes the Batman in this universe, in this this Christopher Nolan world. And like I said earlier, dude, you you got a whole new scope and look at Batman right off the bat. You see him trekking through the mountains of like China or like in Asia, just like be, being a criminal and then running into the League of Shadows. We get the origin. We see the 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 origin where we see the pearls and the popcorn outside of the theater or whatever. We see Bruce Wayne become bat the Batman in a sense. And basically we see it in the best, most laid out live action version of any film we've had so far. Well, it's, sure. I think it's Certainly the only so. real one. It's the only real, it's the only true origin story of the Batman we get in live action form. Well, and also the one that's just done the best. Um, but let's see what uh, Chase and Johnny has to say about Begins. Right. With Bale, obviously. <laughs> uh, um, I'm going to go first just because just I don't have too much to say about Begins. Because mm-hmm. typically that's not my like favorite of the three. Um, I will say within my last like viewing of it, there was a lot that I did not remember and it was nice to see, um, different details, but I do like the start of, uh, of Batman kind of, you know, coming into his own, he's, uh, getting trained by Ra's al Ghul. Um, and 
like you're actually getting to see like Playboy Bruce uh, come in full swing. And it's probably like actually the most full swing that we'd get for that entire trilogy. Right. He uh, kind of starts off as emo, uh, as like emo Bruce Wayne going into it and like going to the trial, coming back to town for the first time. And then you do see him, you like you see him transition into like the the persona or whatever, uh, which is really funny knowing what we got now. But yeah, continue. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then, I mean, basically, other than that, you know, if we get the introduction to, to Michael Caine as Alfred, which is, you know, unmatchable in terms of Alfred's. I mean, yeah, dude, the way they lay out every little they, they they go through so much exposition of like a stat again, establishing who this Batman in this world is and how his suit works and like the different gadgets he has and how they're like grounded in this reality that Christopher Nolan is building. Because, yeah, this is this is the movie that like t- goes, you know, with the campy stuff. It worked for a little bit and then it completely fell off. Let's try to make this as realistic and as grounded in the reality that like we are in as we possibly can and make this feel like a tangible person that could actually be out there at night fucking punching people and fighting crime and what that again the way they like drop all these little pieces of like how they got the suit and how they got the cowls and all that stuff how they got the batmobile it's it's all done so well that you don't actually realize you're just sitting there and watching exposition and Johnny, you're a pretty good expert on Christian Bale. So what, what was your take with uh, with him donning the iconic night vigilante? With Batman Begins, uh, we've seen Batman's origin story so many times uh, with DC movies, with animated. Um, so to see it in live action was pretty good. And I'd like to see that it took a different approach a little bit because it focused more on his League of Shadows. Um, with Liam Neeson that you usually don't see uh, right at the beginning. They usually wait until later because you always focus on his parents dying and then he goes into the falls into the cave and then becomes Batman. But they never really focus on his training and showing how he got to Batman. It's always parents get shot straight to Batman. Yeah, it's certainly one thing that we haven't mentioned, but it's almost always something that has to happen is we have to watch um, Thomas and Martha Wayne get killed. Like we, we don't want to see it and that they keep bringing us to it. Well, they, and all the other movies we talked about, I mean, in the Snyderverse, we got it again in Lego Batman. We got the joke of it all, but like in all the other movies, like the Keatons, the, the Kilmers, the Clooney's, we kind of don't see it. Like maybe Batman forever does the most about like connecting it back to his childhood, but this, yeah, this is the first movie that really gives us that deep dive into like what his origins, what brought him to become the bat and his reasoning for protecting this city and bringing it back to what he thinks it can be. Because Rachel fucking shows him how low life and like everyone's just like down under the the surface of what seems like a like a well run city, but it's really just like homeless and criminals and violence and all that stuff running rampant and Bruce Wayne. Speaking decides, of uh, like, that's what he has to do. Speaking of criminals running rampage, this has one of my favorite villain, and that is Scarecrow. And that's been oh, that's my favorite is the Cowardly Lion. Cillian uh, Murphy I'm does actually, a fantastic job on that one. I'm yeah, actually yeah. opposed on that side. I'm not really much of a fan of. I'm a fan of Cillian Murphy, but just not a, that much of a fan of the Scarecrow. I, I think that's movie. that's because you haven't been introduced to him, right? 
I, well, he was, and that's the thing. Like he's barely I, yeah. given much chance to play with. Like he just gets to roll the dice. He doesn't get to play his hand in a way. And like, you kind of get to see a little bit more of that in the other films, but like in general, just like yeah, what he can, the fear he can bring to the character of Batman is one thing that I look forward to a lot. And I liked what we, the small sample size we got out of this was great. Right. And the way they tied it into the larger story, because obviously he's not the main villain of Batman Begins. That's the League of Shadows and that's Ra's al Ghul. And the way they have him working for him, but then also working for Falcone as like getting basically the therapist that's sending everyone to Arkham instead of sending them to prison or whatever. So like the way he's implemented is great. The the costume, the like the mask, the 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 fear gas, the way they pull that all to get off is is awesome. But I think where they fail, the character of the Scarecrow is not going further into like the 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 effects and the the like the visuals of what happens when you're when you're in with the fear gas. My mind immediately thinks the the like little sub game of Arkham Asylum where you get hit with the fear gas and the Scarecrow's like this eighty foot Scarecrow creature instead and. They don't quite get to that level. They just have him like with bugs in his face, or they have like Batman who has like a gray, spooky face, and that's that's all okay. But it and it's two thousand six, okay. so it's, okay. you yeah. only do okay. so much. But okay, okay, yeah, yeah. okay. I mean, like, um, I, I that's think my one gripe. I do. I love the character. I love how they do the character, and it's definitely how I would like to see the character done again. I think they do decent in like showing some of that fearfulness um, due to that, but. I would say more what what hinders it even more is like going on to the next two movies like he becomes kind of a, a recurring joke like and I mean it makes for good I wouldn't moments, call it a joke oh it's not a joke well that's not a joke no that's it's not a joke a little bit no it's, no it, I would say it's a I would say it's a gimmick or a joke it becomes an Easter egg almost and I can agree with that but I wouldn't. The way they use them in the se- in the two scenes that they use them in in the subsequent films, I think if, really works. So it doesn't feel as much as like a joke. If he wasn't, I get as, what you're saying. If he wasn't as great as he was and begins, no one wouldn't feel like he needs to bring Accurate. him on in Dark Knight and Dark Knight Rises. And we Very know true. we know today the relationship that Murphy has created with Nolan because he also played with him in Dunkirk and in Inception and in his new film. So like they have certainly built a, a, a filmmaking friendship. And it's I would it started here. I mean, we shouldn't even we've obviously forgotten this, but like Cillian Murphy auditioned for Batman. He was almost going yeah. to be the the guy, and so it's basically and, the Tom Hiddleston of the <laughs> Dark Knight movies. And I and I believe <laughs> there's YouTube videos out there of, of his um his testing. And so I haven't watched. I I mean, probably a long time ago I did, but um, certainly one thing I want to go into. But yeah, I mean he he's a i mean i think he's a, does a fantastic job with with the small things he got we haven't talked about commissioner gordon in any of the films but this is the first time that we actually kind of Get see a good version of it that's like actually implementing like into the plot and like being a like an integral part of the movie and the movie is going forward i definitely have a point My to bad. say about gordon a little bit in terms of like a comparison with like new gordon but that's i was going to wait for that, that one uh, well, no, I mean, dude, I think Gary Oldman like hits it on the like he is the he is what you want to aspire to be if you're playing Jim Gordon. He is so good in this role. Well, he's also very he true. Is, he is as compassionate as he is of all time. Exactly. And, and not just I don't mean that as like a character actor. I mean that as the characters he's played, he's been able to to elevate them to a whole new point, And he exactly. really changes his his image a lot. And for him to 
not really change much, but grow a beard. You know, he did a really good job at that. And so I, I, I mean, I understand like we haven't talked about Gordon and the characters that we haven't mentioned should be introduced here, but getting into the dark Knight, the greatest sequel, uh, one of the greatest sequels of all time, certainly one of the greatest superhero sequels of all time. And not in this film, um, changed the landscape for a lot of things and not just like what Bale brought to Batman and what we got with, I mean, Heath Ledger's performance as a Joker could, we could spend an hour alone just talking about what he was able to do and really change the, the landscape on not just a villain yeah. performance, but a performance in general. Um, this film changed how the Academy looks on what they should be voting for picture and other awards. I mean, Heath Ledger did win the Oscar. And so this this film really set the mark on a lot of things and it starts at the top with Christopher Nolan and it works its way down with Christian Bale as Batman and Heath Ledger as Joker. And it's one of the many reasons why everyone returns to it. It's because it's very rewatchable and it's fantastic. That's, I mean, it works so dark well on its own. And yeah, like you're saying, it's literally what it, it's changed the world of film as a whole. It changed how the Oscars look at how they nominate films. It has changed how, studios and franchises market their movies and how they establish their franchises and how they it like reinvented comic book movies and proved that they could be that much more uh, than just a comic book movie. So it's, and dude, in my experience, like literally I saw the I saw the dark Knight before I had seen Batman begins and it still worked perfectly. There is not, there is not a, there's no reason to have to even watch the first one before you get into this movie. It works so perfectly on its own. That's fair. I, I'd agree to that. Um, I also think too, like it, it definitely challenged other filmmakers um, as yeah. far as going with, well, like in a, in an overall narrative and like um, kind of like picture way, but like also in the use of like effects and like the practical mm-hmm. effects and, um, and going that route. I mean, you know, no one literally using a cable system to flip that, that semi truck completely, you know, vertical and everything. Like we would never get that especially on the streets of Chicago where they filmed it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then uh, one thing I'd like to say about this movie is uh, this is one of the first superhero movies that I can remember where you could just watch it just for the villain. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this one, but that's also Fletcher one of its biggest enough. fatal flaws. No, I wouldn't say that. Uh, I disagree. It's the, it's the only argument people make is it's a Joker Fletcher. movie. than not a Batman movie. I disagree. Well, obviously, I'm not saying I agree. I'm just saying that's the thing. I see that. But at the same time, it's like the villain makes the movie. I think Mm -hmm. if you have a bad villain, you're not going to enjoy the movie. Look at all the Marvel movies before we got Thanos. Yeah. And that's that's where I was going to bring that up. I don't know about all that. I was going to bring that up, too, because um, friends and me had talked uh, a couple of times before um, the newest Batman about like basically the villains really do make like the story like that that's what sometimes brings uh these movies into like you know their full fruition uh and like praise and, it, sh- it mean, shapes the we definitely the see that mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. It, it has we, to shape batman in a way it's we, like we yeah. get that on two fronts uh we get that with with ledger but we also get that with um 
Aaron Eckhart uh, with, with mm, yes, yeah, absolutely. I mean, and that's and that's one thing with this film that we talked about before is like we we were introduced to multiple villains and they do a great job at, at combining that. I mean, we were just talking about Toothface and Riddler and like that's not a good combination and that has a lot to do with the filmmaking and what Nolan does with this one is he does a fantastic job with with Harvey Dent and how he works with these Ledger, even though they both have different agenda agendas and different plans. It's all part of the plan. And they, they also yeah. have two different meetings towards uh, Batman as well, because, I mean, uh, Ledger's like the pure chaos, but then also uh, Eckhart's the, the kind of the more formal and personal note to Bruce and to Bale, like with it, um, with, you know, with Rachel and everything, you know, because like we we also see his like pure uh Playboyness come out only to make appearances for Rachel. Yeah, and then I would say for DC, and this is where I think DC differentiates from Marvel. Since DC plays on that darker side, they have to rely on a good villain. Because I, you can go through the DC movies, and the ones that you say are bad, you could point out like the villain wasn't very good, and then the ones that are great, like the Dark Knight, you can be like, oh, this villain's great. Because the whole thing of DC is you don't really want to be a hero. Like, it is not all fun and games. It's dark. It's great. Like, you, that's why that makes them so special. Like, at the end of Dark Knight, like, you don't want to be Batman. You didn't feel like you won. That's not, like, great to be it. Like, kind of like Iron Man, where it's, like, celebrated. Hey, look, I'm this flying guy in the suit. And it takes, like, a whole different tone. That's why I really like this new Batman. And the Christopher Nolan trilogy, because it makes it seem like, okay, that's why he's so much better than everyone else, because he can take what a normal person couldn't take and make the sacrifices we normally couldn't. So I think with DC, you have to rely on that good villain. Otherwise, it's not going to be there. I mean, that's that's certainly the biggest flaw with like Suicide Squad before the James Mm -hmm. Gunn one. The mm-hmm. villain was just garbage. Who was the villain, right? I mean, you walk out of that one. Exactly. Right? That's your first. Like, you don't care about it. it. Yeah. It was the enchantress. Ooh, it's sarcasm. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, that's. I mean, that's that's a really good point. And, I I know the answer to that. And unfortunately, like with with how we you know end on that one is like Heath Ledger passed away. Unfortunately, before the he even got to see the film and before um, the film came out, obviously. And so we really didn't get a closing chapter on that character. And I know Christopher Nolan has come out and he spoke heavily about how, like, you know, I, I'm keeping like what we have with that is what that is. We're not bringing it, it, it back. There was, I mean, there certainly was a plan. And um, I mean, I know there's plenty of like stories you could hear about, like plots of what the third one was. But what we got with the third one in terms of what it is, you know, Dark Knight Rises. Um, this is the first Batman to return for a third film. So like that goes to show you that Christian Bale's like Christian Bale is at the peak of his career at this moment. I mean, he within in between Dark Knight, Dark Knight Rises, he wins his Oscar for the fighter. And he's really asserted himself as just an all around great talent of an actor. And knowing that you have, you know, an Oscar and you playing Batman, like really what more can you do? Um, and what Christopher Nolan brings into this film is, he brings Bane, played by Tom Hardy, who's fucking phenomenal because of the joke we got with the last Bane. And then he brings in Johnny. 
That's your cue. Yeah, Johnny, that was uh, your cue, dude. You missed right, it. My heart, my, uh, no, 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 no. No, I didn't miss it. My heart just stopped because, <laughs> you know, every time you think about Anne Hathaway, <laughs> the cat's know, out of the bag. Take a moment to take it in. <laughs> my wife, Anne Hathaway, is Catwoman. Excellent part of the movie. And, and they do. And that's something we'll, yeah. uh, and, we will talk about later with the other Catwoman. <laughs> I think she plays a very great part and adds so much to this movie. And I think the chemistry between her, Bale, and then seeing Tom Hardy's performance uh, makes this third movie actually, you know, stand up to the other two, which we don't get a whole lot with uh, series these days where, like, the third movie is just as, you know, arguably just as good as the other two. <laughs> yeah, a lot of times you can wash the third one away. But, like, what what Christopher Nolan really does well with this one, and um, uh, remind me who the writer is because it's really blank in my mind, but... They close Chris Terrio. No, uh, no, that's Zack Snyder's part. It's uh, 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 here you go on. I'll look. But like what they do is <laughs> they, they close the arc very well. Like they they wrap up the story of Christian Bale's Bruce Wayne. Um, they they made it very certain that like a fourth one was talked about, but that was never going to be done because they didn't want to do it without one another. Um, uh, and David Esquire. Yes, that, that yes, that makes more sense now. And the other thing that they do really good in this one is like they really do tease that ending with Joseph Gordon Levitt, and it was revealed that he was Robin, but they don't obviously tackle any more on that. And I like that because that would have been a lot within the story. And I mean, one thing to mention that Christopher Nolan did really well within this Gotham is that he made the set pieces real. He made it look very much like you can walk outside your your front door and go to your city, and you could look like you're in this Gotham. Um, and that and that was really great about that because of like the the craziness that we got with all the other ones. Um, and actually, this one has a lot of light too. Like, I mean, watching the Burton ones and the Schumacher, it's the Gotham's in, at a lot of a yeah, lot. a lot of day stuff. And there's there's a lot of shadows. And like what Nolan does with this one is he brings a lot of light to a lot of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and but yeah, it's it's a great closing arc to what Bale did, and um, very much like respected uh, within like the industry as a whole and what we got out of that. And you can ask a hundred people. And a lot of times, a lot of people will mention that like Bale is their favorite Batman just because of like what the trilogy was, what's what it did for them, what it meant for them. Uh, it, I mean, it's not just like what the actor did with, you know, Batman. I honestly, if you, we can have the discussion, like if you put Christian Bale in uh, Val Kilmer's, you know, when in that story, like, I think it's, pretty damn good but i don't know if you could take val kilmer and put him in this trilogy like that's oh I, no i think you're no, dead no, wrong good. i think i think val kilmer could work just as well in in a reversed role and i think uh, christian i don't think christian think Bale could operate inside the campiness of the 90s I, i'm thinking i'm i'm very much on the opposite pole of that entire i i don't think uh, val kilmer would survive that bane fight no are you just saying in the sense of like I, I think the only person the actor fighting another fight, like what? Probably Michael Keaton. If you oh, if you would switch the two, yeah, because it's like I think him and like Robert Pattinson no. could fit the tone of like the Dark Knight trilogy. Probably not as definitely not as well as Bale because Bale will take it the most seriously because he can take one breath and he's like ripped, but. <laughs> Very true. I'm sorry. We all saw Ben Affleck do CrossFit in the Batman v Superman. Am I wrong? 
Oh, we already uh, had that conversation. Like a, saw like how a, big like he yeah. got. Have you seen Christian Bale? He goes from Batman to Fat Man and then right back to it. Well, he okay. breaks one second he and he's broken. ripped. <laughs> yeah, we, we don't recommend gets, that because that's very unhealthy. He gets fed water yeah. through a washcloth and noodles. And then he becomes Batman again. Yeah, no, I'm. I have like several gripes with Dark Knight Rises. One of the main ones is like, get Marion Cotillard out of there. You didn't even need that it's, character, and even in the yeah. slightest, you mm-hmm. cut that whole subplot out. You have more focus on the romantic relationship with Catwoman. You have more focus on the rivalry with Bane. You have him just be the. Per- you have him be Joey King, whatever, coming out of the hole instead of the child. her being Talia Al Ghul. Like what Batman thought it was originally, no twist, no weak ass villain reveal. Uh, And I think you have like a much stronger, more concise story. But other, yeah, like other than that, it does round off this trilogy perfectly and like leave the Batman in like a very satisfying spot with him being retired and being happy. And you can just call it an end. I also, I also like the moment too, that he, uh, he finally does tell Gordon who he is. Um, and it links back to, uh, you know, putting the code around the boy. Right. And letting them know that, you know, like, you know, his world didn't just end when that his mo- parents died. Like, that mm-hmm. was a, such a pivotal moment. Yeah, that uh, moment only works because of how well they've established Jim Gordon throughout this whole series as like a like a like a, a beacon of goodness and like of, of uh, honor and trust. Someone someone that actually cares. Exactly. Like versus some, you know, cops you would get with exactly. stories that are obviously there to kind of run the under the other side. Mm-hmm. Of one well. of the one of the things that I recently kind of um, learned within this film, and I wonder I haven't told you guys because I wanted to save it for this moment. But uh, the night like before Bad Bell Bell Batman goes to fight. Wow. Bane, <laughs> right. the, the night before that, he he sleeps with. Marion Cotillard's character, uh, right, and that is to kind of show that he uh, he's more weakened the next day because he just had sex with her. And if her plan is to attack, um, you know, the city, and whatnot, and she has to take down Batman, and she, she wear out Bruce Wayne. So then, when Bruce Wayne goes out to fight crime the next day, <laughs> I think Batman can have a night of wild sex and then just be Batman? fine the next no, day. No, Bruce Wayne. Bruce Wayne. I think- can't. Bruce Wayne I think it's more not the fact that like that. It's more the fact You're that you're stretching uh, here, dude. That well, no, they didn't stretch. That just... was the issue. They did not stretch. <laughs> I think I think it more just it flustered him. It, it threw him off, uh, mind game wise. Oh, I'm but, sure they I mean, threw each other around. Oh yeah, I'm, yeah. I mean, I'm sure, <laughs> but but like more or less, I think it, it's the it's the mind frame, like the the plan of action, rather than you know. The fact that she was planning it, all right. But also imagine <laughs> if that was Anne Hathaway's character in that moment, and then we get the scene that proceeds it, and she fucking betrays him after having sex with him the night before. Wouldn't you think that would throw him off a little bit more than just like getting laid by some other chick and then going into a fight that you have no connection to the two situations? Like I don't know, Johnny. That's, that's just my argument about the- Yeah, I think. No. Well, no, she couldn't betray me like that. Oh, I, I'd I be think heartbroken. With, I think with you would walk out of the movie, wrap it up, call it out. <laughs> you would have never movie seen the stuck. ending. The, is there anything uh, you guys kind of want to like? I guess say as a whole though with Bale and like this trilogy. Um, there's the last word. There's two. 
two things I, I forgot to say at least. Uh, just I love the two openings for both the Dark Knight mm, and the yes. Dark Knight Rises. I, mm-hmm. All of them are uh, good. Mm-hmm. Well, Go I, yes. No, say it. Like, you know, I appreciate this. The bats are the best one. Hold hold, hold on. He's, he's not, about I'm to preach something. About that. He's about to preach not, something here. I'm not talking about, you know, the ice and like the fire oh, and all that. The I'm talking about the Joker like opening. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about the Bane opening. Mm-hmm. The practicalness between both of them. I mean, we get where someone would shoot a man before throwing him out of an airplane. It took this long to get a bail impersonation. I like it. You know, the Heath Ledger opening as the Joker, where it's, you know, yes, you could probably figure it out if you watch closely, but on that initial run, you're not going to figure it out. And it's just kind of an illusion happening the whole time. Uh, and, And it's cleverness of taking down the entire team. Um, you know, between everyone being like, okay, like my instructions is to do this and then kill the person that I'm with. Um, eventually, you have no people left, and the Joker is the one with all the glory. Um, it establishes and- his pure chaos mindset right off the bat. Exactly. And then, like, with the Bane opening, um, it's just batshit crazy. I mean, the fact that, you know, they blow up a plane, like, you know, Bane is do a whole blood transfusion on a guy like so they can you know frame the doctor that's gonna do the atomic bomb or the nuclear bomb and like you know just the ending shot too where like he's holding the guy and he's like holding onto the cable like through the other plane and then like you just watch the entire plane drop like it's just wild and it definitely sets the scene for both villains but also like as a viewer, you're just like mind struck at that point. You're just like, wow, I can't believe that just Some, happened. Something I want to build off of that, of this whole trilogy, the greatest thing that I thought about this trilogy, watching it, at least for like the first time, is just knowing that you don't know what's happening. Like you might think, and it, it completely plot twists the other way. Like, you know, that bank scene, when I first saw it, I'm like, okay, it's just a normal, you know, bank scene, you know, crime like batman's is going to come in and then realizing okay no they're showing the main villain right away and just watching them pick off one by one was like crazy to me and then you know like you were saying with the dark knight rises like i was not expecting a plane to be blown up you know right off the bat exactly just like dialed in like the first five seconds of the movie you're just all right locked in here we go <laughs> this is a batman movie <laughs> no it's it's certainly um, awesome. it, it creates the world that you're about to be in because you don't want to kind of have the same tone with each film uh, i know each villain brings its own backstory background to it and the way he introduces them right off the bat, it's it's a lot different. Like, um, I mean, I've I've heard people compare like how you in Jaws, you don't see the shark until an hour into the movie. And it's like with when you're when you're having Joker, like you don't want to wait for that. You really don't. And the way he reveals that it's it's awesome. And then same with Bane's introduction in Dark Knight Rises. It's it's really cool how he puts himself as uh, as a hostage, but then he's in control the whole time. And it really goes to show you, like, these are what Batman is about to uh, face off against. And it's really great. And it's even in um, in Batman Begins. That opens up with, um, shh, no one's not blanking is my it, mind. I thought it, it was. No, isn't it the flashback the to them as kids? It's the it's the cave with the bats. 
Okay. I think. Well, then never mind. <laughs> well, no, it, what it does, it is if, if the first movie establishes Batman, the second movie oh, establishes yeah, the main villain, and yeah. the third movie establishes yeah. the other main villain. It's yeah, like okay. they hit the same beats on all three. Yes, one of them is just them as kids, but like quickly that zips to like him starting his training with the League of Shadows. So all, all of these movies are so incredibly well constructed. I, I think I said a couple podcasts back, or last podcast or something that like Christian Bale's a very good director. I don't like, I don't necessarily idolize Christian Bale's him. A good like director. maybe someone Christian Bale's a good director. Christian Bale's a good director. Fuck you, you, goddamn This is just payback for when I called you out on that other shit that other time. Uh, but Christopher Nolan is a very good director, but I don't ho- hold him to as high of esteem as maybe some of the other people on this podcast right now. Well, Chase but, said like, it, undeniably, Chase said the Dark Knight though. trilogy is amazing. What? Chase said it perfectly early, though, is that, like, you know, Christopher Nolan be attaching himself as a, into the superhero world and directing that really changed how future filmmakers came into creating a superhero world and, like, well, being able to tackle yeah. something grounded. And, like, you have your, um, you know, your Rooster Brothers, really, you know, drawing from that because you're really transforming, like, what you get from, like, what we've had from the 90s and sure. what we're having now, like they're really elevating the direction and not just using, I mean, a bad example though, with the Avengers is there's, is a lot of green screen and CGI on it, but they really incorporate into the story a lot, a lot good. It's more about the character, the practical effects and no one does a good job with that started it. So yeah, I totally agree with everything. Everyone has said like the, the dark Knight trilogy is truly what like established the world of comic book movies. It's what everyone strives to do and make and all the directors, they like, if I can make my movie as realistic and grounded and receptible to like the, the general public as the dark Knight, I have fucking success on my hands. Totally agree with all that. And Christian Bale is definitely up there with the Batmans. Uh, there is like, there's a little bit of a layer to uh, like where I just don't think he gives that. He doesn't give quite that much emotional, uh, like an emotional performance to either of the characters. He's kind of a little one note throughout the whole thing, but like, Aside from that, he's like he's one of those actors that fully commits to his role. He fully committed to the character of Bruce Wayne and Batman and like it being that main character in this giant trilogy and being surrounded by all of these great performances from the villains and the side characters to be this standout and to be everyone's favorite Batman is truly pretty impressive. So, yeah, hats off to Christian Bale. Uh, I mean, he's one of the best and I don't, I don't see why, I mean, he's, he's easily top three on literally everyone's list. I can't, I can't imagine he's any lower for anyone else, but that pretty much wraps up our conversation on all the old Batmans, all the Batmans of the past. They're left in the dust because this week we got a brand new Batman in theaters an all new director behind the camera an all new actor behind the cow. And God damn it, I'm pretty sure we all unanimously gave this five star. It is an amazing, 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 amazing Batman movie. It's fantastic. It's it's a batgasm, if you will. Uh, there's there's so much to get into about this, but like we we're gonna have to like knock this out piece by piece. But we just finished talking about all the Batmans, so let's start off by giving our our impressions of Robert Pattinson as the Batman. An incredibly controversial casting to start off with, mm-hmm. like most other Batman castings. Everyone just was like, "Oh, the Twilight Kid's fucking playing Batman. Whoop de doo! Is he gonna sparkle? No, he's gonna fucking kill it. Is what he's gonna do. He absolutely murdered this role." 
he is the Batman and he is Batman for 90% of this movie. He is under the cowl. He is solving mysteries. He is being that detective, that vengeance that they proclaim him to be in the movie like so many times. My favorite, my favorite part of the movie might be the first 10 minutes where they're like, I've, I've established that you should be afraid of the shadows. So even if I'm not there, you should be terrified if you see the bat signal. That's Batman. That's fucking Batman. And the narration is great. And he sounds like Batman and he disappears into the role. I mean, yeah, like you said, the casting was very controversial. And I was, I mean, highly against the Nicholas Holt competition that was running with him. I mean, I don't. Yeah, you have, weird, you, about this. you have a weird, you have a weird age for that guy. There, there's just something about it. I just can't stand behind him <laughs> be, becoming Batman. And with Pattinson playing the role, like I, I think it was right at the time Good Times came out. And then he later does the lighthouse and i think those are very those are two films that really kind of show you like he can handle it like he really can and then you see him in tenant and you're like we're we're fine we're really good here he dude he owned tenant mm-hmm. he was the he's what held that movie up because like everything else was so monotone he is and and he also he dude he's free uh, uh the the lost city of z he's really great in that and shows like his more rugged adventurous side so the people that were only seeing edward from twilight are the fucking people that don't actually watch movies and with this, yeah, when Pat, what Pattinson's doing here is he's he's year two of Batman. And like you said, he's doing the narration, which is a first for Batman. And he's also, I mean, this is obviously going to be spoilers. We'll get into it. Like, why are you listening? Um, he is Batman. Like, he's hardly Bruce Wayne in this film. You learn throughout, like, why that is. And he does. And honestly, I think that is the benefit of Pattinson because, like, we've seen him a lot. Uh, we've seen a lot of Batmans, obviously, split in time between Bruce Wayne and that. Role. And so for the film to come out, like we have to create a different vision of that character. And like you said, being creeped out in the shadows with what we're, we don't know coming is great. And not only the narration, but you got the journaling, like he's writing down like what happens each night. And, and I think by the time the movie starts, you're, you're in for a treat. And then when you get out, you're like, man, why, why was I worrying? Because it was fucking great. Right. I mean, I mean, dude, you see him down. like you see him taking the notes because he's like literally this not he's he has spent like, all of his time as Batman. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He he goes he goes to breakfast and talks to Alfred. He has to put sunglasses on because of the glare from the sun. He is operating every night. And that is all he's thinking about. He's he's like the Batman is my family legacy. It's all I need. And it's what I need to do right now. And people are people are going to have issues with the lack of Bruce Wayne, but it's called the Batman and they give us so much of the Batman. It's so great. Not only that, but like, I think, too, it's really cool to see that like he is just Batman, but like the the awkwardness that it is in form of Bruce Wayne, like he's so uncomfortable in Bruce Wayne's skin that like he cannot like function like every every time that like. Alfred tries to get him into something like he just can't do it. Um, and I don't like know you about said, but yeah, the, you're right about it. He feel he looks refuses. like he's just uncomfortable yeah. in, in yeah. his existence as like Bruce Wayne standing outside of the the funeral or whatever the memorial. Yeah. Uh, the and then you see him too, having like, the conversations. Yeah, you're exactly on point. Exactly, like like the conversations even at like the funeral, like he can't even do that like half the time. Like Barely, it's almost yeah. it's almost like it's so like like uncomfortable and like grueling to him um and i loved that and like i'm sure we'll see him grow into you know something else and probably more playboy bruce in the sequel or something but like the fact that it was just you know that was his 
his uh you know duty was to just help the city and be batman like was was really cool oh absolutely there's there's so much that he does as batman though to like define him as the character of batman just the way he's constantly playing the detective and as a year two batman he's not the world's greatest detective he's making mistakes he's he has his uh his foibles with some of the clues and whatever that lead him astray. But that makes him more human and more like, oh yeah, he's still getting the hang of this. He's still establishing himself in this Gotham city. And like, we'll get to the Gotham city of it all. We'll talk about after we go yeah. through all the characters because Gotham, this is the best Gotham has ever been. This is the, oh, yeah. the most Gotham it could ever be. Okay. I'm, 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 I'm sorry. It's exciting. me. It's like one of my favorite parts of the movie. With him being an inexperienced Batman, like, like that kind of, um works and coincides with the riddler like too yeah. because um he makes F, like a ton of mistakes in terms of actually helping the riddler you know do what he actually wanted to set out and succeed in um and like that that's really cool to see even though like you wouldn't want to see your you know your hero helping out the villain to get what he wants sure. like but it ends up happening and it's it's pretty cool and that's the Riddler's plan. It's like he he has to have the Batman step into every aspect of this like long plot, and like we'll get into the Riddler. That's one of the best parts of the the characterization. But uh, Johnny, what about you? What did you? How did you? We know you're a diehard Bale guy. You're. I'm guessing you got Bale number one. What did you think of Pattinson though? I thought Patterson was the same character as Twilight, just an emo <laughs> bat boy just going out fighting people. Uh, no, I thought he did incredible okay i thought he absolutely killed it he puts up a fight with christian bale in my opinion I, I think he did everything you wanted out of a batman actor because yeah. he showed how that you know he can be feared he can show that he's not comfortable in bruce wayne's skin and that's just like the character they set up in this world. And yeah. I love like he acts confident, like he has to be the world's greatest detective. But then he does make a couple mistakes showing right. that he's still learning. He does. He knows a lot. Like you immediately off the bat in that first scene, they're like, oh, yeah, that his thumb was cut off before he was killed or something. The best part is what you guys are talking about with how he's still learning how to become Batman. There's that yeah. scene where he's running from the police he's on top of the building and there's that quick moment where he like he's afraid to jump like he's not certain if he yeah. should do it and we have not gotten that with the batman we've not seen a batman where like he's afraid to go into something you know and i think that like for pattinson to come in like and obviously where we are now with like obviously our conversations with batman already you have to bring something different to the table yeah. and he looked at all that he can and he's like this is what I need to do. And he did a fantastic job. I mean, like Johnny said, incredible. Um, yeah. It's you, you can't deny it. And like, uh, as you know, I mean, he's a very young actor too. And so uh, 35, I yeah, I can't remember how old Christian Bale. I think Christian Bale was like 29 when he was first casted. Yeah. Like, I think Christian Bale was young. I'm not, or not 29, but still within 30. But anyways, I mean, it's, it's great seeing a young actor play that because um, like we've just had with Affleck, there was an older Batman. So we were seeing the more experienced and with what Pattinson did. I mean, we haven't even mentioned it yet, but like the tech he uses, that's not fancy pantsy. Like we, like he has a Lucius Fox character. He's doing this all on his own with, with the amount that, um, with the help of Andy Circus is uh, Alfred, yeah. like Alfred it's their own, yeah, it's their own stuff. Like it's, it's really great. And especially the, 
the contact lens being uh, the recorder. I think that was one Dude, of my Dude, that was one part. of my favorite pieces. Yeah. Easily one of the best parts. Mm-hmm. It's, it makes so much fucking sense. Like, yeah. why wouldn't Batman have a way to go back and reanalyze all of what he has already seen over the night just so he can, like, see if he missed anything the first time? It's, it's so... It's fantastic in the way he gives it to Catwoman later. But I love what you said earlier about how, like, he... This is like you see him evolve as Batman, even in just this duration of the one film. He goes from being that symbol of vengeance where you should fear him to realizing that the thing that could that the only thing that can differentiate him from the villain is not only being the vengeance and the the, the person that wants the, the, the city to change, but being that beacon of hope is that one step more that makes Batman who he is over like just being another one of those vigilante or villains or whatever in this world. He has to be that beacon of hope. And you see him figure that out by the end of this movie. And it's it's, it's in like it's almost in a single look that Robert Pattinson gives that you like see this moment of him realizing while he's giving this perfect narration that this is what the city of Gotham needs and now that it's completely underwater. And also, too, with um, with that narration, too, like um, he mentions, you know, something that Catwoman says to him about him being scarred um, and and kind of imperfect and and all of that. And, you know, he brings that back up at that um, same point that that he realizes that um, he says the city is scarred um, just like himself and. You know, that's what he's got to become, you know, that beacon hope. Like you said, he's got to become more for them. And I also wanted to bring up more with, like, the gadget side of things. Uh, There's a lack of them, too. Like, uh, what we got was cool, but, like, we got three of them. It was the contact lens, uh, the pistol that, you know. Grappling hook, yeah. Yeah, the grapple hook, and then uh, his battering. And that's, that's it. The battery, I love the, the battery in the plate. Yeah, oh my oh, god, yeah, it makes, awesome. it's makes so much sense. Uh, something that I really liked in Robert Patterson's performance is that you could see in the end that where he transitions to that beacon of hope that he almost crossed the line, he yeah. almost went into being a villain and then immediately flipping the switch and like, I can't do that, I have to be better than this. So, in a span of like you know, a minute when you're watching that scene at the end, just go from, I'm about to rip this guy off because he's attacking Catwoman to, I need to save everyone below because they're going to get electrocuted and I need to be yeah. a symbol of hope. Well, and, and two, like, the the cool thing with that is, like, um, and I want to talk about this more with you guys because um, I've seen some feuding online, but uh, I take it as that's an adrenaline shot. Uh, oh, I've seen some oh. other people. I, talk about I know, I know what I want it to be. I know. Let's yeah. save that because I, I'm, yeah. I'll bring that up when we talk about what we want to see yeah. in, in future movies. But, but uh, to talk more about that scene though, too, I, like Johnny said, you know, like that, that like sends him down that rageful, yeah. um, that ragefulness. And, and, um, you know, yes, it is like also the fact that Catwoman, someone that he is romantically in, in, tangled with um is getting hurt but like it's also the fact that he is defenseless in that moment um and he needs something to get himself going again and then once he finally does get going again it's almost like too much yeah yeah one of one of my favorite parts also is you know when you're when you're making a batman film a lot of times people are worried like the origin story is going to come 
And either you're going to get a, like the first film is going to be a lot of origins within this one. We got our background within no the first, no yeah, within the first like five, 10 minutes. Uh, and that helped a lot with the narration, but it, and that shows the relationship that he has with Gotham right off the bat. And we got that within 10 minutes and we didn't need a two hour film for it. And I think that goes to show you the, the handleness that Reeves had and his vision yeah. right off the bat. And Pattinson carried it. He really did. Yeah, dude, he disappeared into the role at points. There, the point at the memorial, I was looking at Bruce Wayne. I was not seeing Twilight Sparkle Boy. I was mm. not seeing, I wasn't seeing his character from Good Time. He looked like Bruce Wayne in my mind. He, he like, and like, it, it's incredible casting. And I, we don't know what, we, what happened in the room that really got him this job and like how, what the casting directors see, but like whoever that person was had it right on point. What was, um, what was your guys' this is favorite shot of Batman? I mean, my certainly was dude the, the fire as he's walking towards Penguin no. when he's caught on fire. That was my favorite shot. But what Mine was your guys him was? dropping through the glass in uh, Gotham Square Garden where he's like that dropping all of those Riddlers. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, so he, the cape is perfect and the lighting and the explosions and the glass. It's so Batman. I want that on my wall. I think I think mine is um is the flare shot. Um Ooh, the, yeah, that's a great basically, one. Basically, like so the entire like beginning of the movie, you know, everything, uh everyone's distrustful of Batman, everyone, you know, is not yeah. in line with what Batman he's a vigilante. Uh, stands for. You know, yeah, he's a vigilante. And um and by that point in the movie, um everyone is literally behind him. And, and you know on his side when it takes a kid to get that trust for everyone else like not even the mayor would would join and that says something and i loved all three of the shots that you guys said i think my favorite between either the walking towards penguin oh yeah it's upside down chase too with, or it flips upside yeah. down just just seeing that car fly out in flames, just knowing that okay, this real is the shot, Batman. no CGI. You're you're not getting you're not getting away from Batman. Like, <laughs> I would probably say that, or the very beginning shot where the criminals just looking into the shadow mm. and just yeah. waiting, just waiting for the anticipation of Batman to step out, but it just never happens. But the fear is there. Man, yeah. I, I love that. The signal yeah. looks great. Yeah, absolutely. That's another thing. Like, we didn't have to wait that long to see him as Batman or in the bat suit. Like, we got right. it right away. I mean, with other, you know, incarnations of that, like, we sometimes we have to wait a while. Like, they have to build the suit. He's wearing different types of things. Like, we have that already established in this universe. Well, we do have that. We have him, like, in his, like, stealth civilian mode, which I love seeing. Yeah, that he, looked, I don't, the way Johnny, he this had the way he like could operate with his stuff in his backpack. Like you see, he has a backpack. He changes quick changes into his suit and stuff in the way. I love how the suit is like a combination of the best aspects of like the Arkham game suit. And then also like the, the like practicality of like the bail suit. But then it also has a little bit of like the big daddy from kick-ass kind of feel where it's like just those armor plates. And you can like, understand that he can like get this on and off quick and like be tactical with it and like switch out and, I love that. I really like it's because a lot of those suits that you see in the other movies, you're like, oh, yeah, that takes like probably takes them 45 minutes and seven crewmen to get them in and out of that suit every day. But this one feels like it's very accessible, I guess, is the word. 
Yeah. There, I don't know if it, uh, on my second watch, I caught this, but Johnny, you might've seen it earlier, but that shot where he's dressed in like that civilian with the backpack, the hat and the raincoat, mm-hmm. it reminded me of watchdogs, the video game yeah. where like that, how yeah. that character is dressed a little bit, like just that quick moment. I was like, Oh, wait a minute. But I, I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah. Um, I caught that too, especially since watchdogs is set in Chicago and I'm used to seeing Gotham mm-hmm. as Chicago. I was like, this kind of reminds me of watch. Yeah. I liked it feeling more like New York this time around. Apparently, it's supposed to be New Jersey, but like this felt great. It's a mixture, and but that and it shot in London. I know. Yeah, that's the thing that blew me away. Oh yeah, I want to save the Gotham conversation when we get to Gotham. Yeah. Okay. Um, Yeah. 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 Let's let let's gonna let's purr away into another character within the film. Uh, Johnny, this might be a hard conversation for the half. This is we're 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 gonna gonna ask Johnny first. Yeah. What did you think what? of Zoe Kravitz as Catwoman? I actually did like her as Catwoman, but I did heavily compare it to Anne Hathaway. Not going to lie. Did heavily compare it to Anne Hathaway. I heavily compared uh, it to Michelle Pfeiffer. I, liked. I heavily compared yeah. it to Eartha Kitt. <laughs> Chase is Halle Berry. Uh, we know. Some, we get it. I like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We already know. <laughs> I was trying to think of the name of the lady who tried to like uh, uh, who was in Blade Runner, who wanted who like forced herself upon Tim Burton to be Catwoman. Oh, 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 yeah. But I, Johnny, go what, I, what is I, her I, name? Sean Young. Sean Young. Sean, thank you. Sean, yes. Sean Young. Jesus, I'm in bed. <laughs> yes. Accurate. But Johnny, what, what, really, what, what I really like from her performance is that she acted like Catwoman. But then yeah. there was a part where she was inexperienced. Like she needed Batman's help to find her friend. She wouldn't admit it, but you could tell from like her body language that she couldn't do it by herself, that she needed Batman, even though that she didn't want his help at times. Like, well, and, needed and too, also, like, it, it's cool to see because, um, like you were saying, like she needs Batman's help, um, you know. With with the whole Falcone being her father take, um, you know, she's really r- ready to risk it all and um, just to get payback for her friend. And, you know, Batman's like the one that swoops in and it's kind of like, you know, you don't have to pay with him. Like, you don't have to be on his level as well. Um, and I thought that was that was cool, too. Like, you know, going off of what you said um, with her, like kind of needing the help as well. Because the one thing I saw in The Dark Knight Rises, it felt like Anne Hathaway was in complete control, could handle it, could, you know, beat everyone up. And she was taking care of her friend, but, like, in this one, she didn't have it all under control. Like, needed Batman, even though she didn't like it. She did have, like, the aspect of she could, you know, rob, break in, which I really thought was cool. I really like that the mask was just, you know, just like a ski mask. Nothing really like fancy. It wasn't like a full. But it had little nubbies like, to EB ears. Yeah. Hmm. And that like her friend was just like a complete like mess in the movie. And she had to like handle that emotionally. Like still be her yeah. friend, but still work at the club. I thought that was neat to seeing that balance between her social life to like her being Catwoman. Right. 
So yeah, I I loved Zoe Kravitz in the role. My my thing was uh, they, they they did a lot of uh, pulling from some of the most iconic Batman runs that have this like cat uh, woman Batman r- romantic relationship subplot, like the Long Halloween and Hush, and like they they took the best aspects of that, and so that their chemistry and the way they play off of each other is really 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 good. My gripe with Catwoman was the thing with Catwoman and Batman is that they're constantly at odds, no matter how much romantically they feel for each other. They're constantly at moral odds with Catwoman being more let's kill, let's rob, let's let's be do what we want because we can uh, not because not because we should. And then Batman's the I don't kill the the we're we're doing this for justice, like protecting. They didn't really give me that much on the Catwoman side. So that's where I kind of like have a little bit of a gripe. But like other than that, again, performance based alone, she was fucking great. She she sold the like cat puns and the the little like the like, oh, the jokes about like, oh, I like cats because I'm a cat lady. And, and like Johnny said, I like the ski mask idea with the little nubs being like more realistic. But I think hopefully we get a better, more like a- accurate comic book uh, Catwoman mask, maybe in a sequel uh, that Batman makes her who knows, whatever. But yeah, I mean, I, I thought she was great. She's- and also, it's really funny that her her former stepdad is Aquaman and now she's Catwoman and they're just like existing in the same universe. Yeah. <laughs> uh- Zoe Kravitz is the as she's the closest thing to Michelle Pfeiffer that we've ever seen, and I will stand on. Ouch, a dude, stool. Johnny, are you gonna take that? <laughs> Pain. <laughs> Michelle Pfeiffer. Yeah, Johnny's is... over here in Spain without the uh, without S. the. Uh, yeah. S. 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 Thank you. Yeah. There you go. Um, <laughs> she. This this was certainly. Come, I almost come. said the P. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I I thought Leave Kravitz was in. really was really good uh it was probably the first time in a long time though that we had um the best chemistry with uh catwoman and batman right, like yeah. pattison and Kravitz. it was it was not falsely advertised like from the beginning we can clearly see their chemistry on and off screen was electric and we got that every moment i love their interviews they've been doing oh my god and they're so, so fucking adorable it's, together. and it's gonna be what blows my mind is she's dating channing tatum not this robert pattinson that's crazy to me how do you know she's they dating channing tatum i'm pretty sure that's a thing well, just because you see pictures on the internet, you think it's true? How? Oh, you fucking uh, bitch! Uh, I hate you so much. You. This is why <laughs> our time. This is the name of our podcast. You fucking psycho! You're, you're um, calling back to like American seven episodes. Ago. <laughs> um, the, Chase, go ahead. The, um, where Batman uh is is gonna have Catwoman go in to the club and like he's making sure her contacts and everything is mm-hmm. great. Like just the fleeting chemistry between that scene, the fleeting chemistry between in, in like the scene where we, they first like kind of encounter each other um, together um, in terms of like when she's breaking in to get the passport and like, she's kind of relaxing in his arms when they're trying to hide, like kind of from everyone, like the, the whole movie throughout, like just they, they're on fire together. Well, this is one debate that Brett and I were having earlier, but I mean, if Catwoman asked you to leave town with her, why would you stay? I mean, what are you absolutely? What's, what's your guys? I'm a weak man, and I'd seen, be like, "Yep, let's go." <laughs> we've seen this happen See, too many I'm times. On the first flight to Paris, where's that <laughs> but, cafe? But that's that's like the uh, the awesomeness about like kind of the last shot is absolutely kind of like mm-hmm. that's that's what he wants, and like he's going the opposite direction from it. 
like when they're joining off when she's going to out of the town and he's going back towards the city because he's you know going back to save more you know do whatever he can you know it, it kind of rivals a little bit of like the the fury seven ending but like at the same time like you get the the whole. It doesn't like, that's rival that. Want. Come on. How fucking dare you? It, it's how can it's you? not rivaling it. <laughs> it's oh not rivaling it. Okay, but it it definitely is similar to it. You know, all right off of the sunset together. I get it. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, uh, splitting their separate ways, even though one's not going to heaven. May, maybe we'll see you again, Catwoman. But right now, we're going to talk about the Riddlers and. I, I mean, we've all seen Paul Dano. We know who he is. He has been many things, uh, actor, director. It's, it's, a, it's a surprise to see um, him cast as it. I won't lie. Like, and especially like what we saw with Jim Carrey's Riddler, we didn't know what we were going to get here. But I mean, he he turned into like, uh, I mean, um, the mastermind that the Riddler is, but he also this brought this. This isn't your mom as the Riddler. Yeah, bro. his man. Uh, <laughs> from the very first shot, when you see the mayor walk off screen, and he's just right behind him. And it and I noticed Dude, it on uh, yeah, it's you notice it right away, gives you goosebumps. And once again, um, we're opening up a film with the villain and it creates um it lets you know what world you're getting yourself into. And I wonder yeah, if Mad Reeves is like, here yeah. we go, folks. Mm-hmm. Or, it, like it, it shows you the first the breathing, the level Dude, that he's and the able yeah, to and the into. and the like the, you see him observing the situation and uh, and like stalking it out and and meticulously planning and then breathing. Uh, it's so good and yeah you just hear him breathing you see the little whites on the reflections of his glasses and and like i know it's really like when the first pictures came out and like you saw his costume his suit and like it's very different obviously but knowing the the inspiration that reeves had with this film and with this character it very much looks like the zodiac killer um one of the the images that you had from that dude literally they start off with a birthday card yeah. Just like what the actual, yeah. Well, and you have this, and you have the cipher too, and yep. it's it's fantastic, and it gives you chills. And I mean, I had I kind of called it earlier. I mean, I didn't call it, but like I was really on the edge of like this will probably be the second best Batman villain we've had, and and I think he did a great job. I mean, it was really intense, and especially on my rewatch, like you see the level that he's willing to go. There are a, there is a moment where he kind of goes over the top, but I think for paul dano to do that i was fine with Mm -hmm. that you know like i had no problem i really didn't and he i mean it's it was really neat to see that um that type of type of performance out there because it wasn't what we had with jim carrey where there was that comedian tone to it like he was he was ruthless at it i mean he really was like the only time that he starts to have that over the top moment is really when he starts to like have the meltdowns when Mm -hmm. he's in um arkham yeah, that's what. Yeah, that's those are the scenes I mean for, and it's it works well with the story though. But like, right? And you, have to I think it works that. really well that they like they they establish super awesome that this is like a modern day take. He has fucking followers on Twitch or whatever. He's got five hundred like little acolytes that are ready to fucking arm up and clean and, 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 and do this. And he's doing these live streams on Instagram or whatever to get his message out. They're 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 creating something that like takes this comic book jokey character and plants him firmly in our world, which is what they did so great in the Nolan trilogy. And it's now what Matt Reeves is doing fantastically in his franchise, because that's all that. I mean, like he said, Matt Reeves has said himself, he wants to work with nearly every Batman character. And if he's just going to keep finding perfect ways to make them more grounded and, and involve them, but still make them, 
honor and like truly be a good representation of the comic book character, then sign me up for like 90 films, dude. 900. I don't care. I think this is the best villain we've gotten since Heath Fletcher. I think that's so much (laughs) I love Tom Hardy. Get out of here. But I'm going to put this red letter over Bane. And I'm going to say no, I totally agree. (laughs) Still love, still love Tom Hardy, but I think this aspect took of Heath Fletcher. Like, you don't know what he's thinking. You don't know what he's thinking. He has this plan. Yeah, and he has this whole plan, and you're just watching Batman just kind of fall into it. It's all going in together, like right, falling through the pieces. It's like, okay, what's next? Like, what is Riddler's plan? Like, it's all working together. At one point, I felt like Batman isn't winning. <laughs> Batman mm-hmm. is one step behind, and he's just letting – he's just losing, and he just has no idea what to do. Right, and as soon as you, know, you think you- he's on the right page, he's like, nope wrong yeah. i'm the penguin like, and i speak better spanish than you yeah and like, that shows you know, his fatal flaws that's that's his that's his uh inexperience right. yeah like you know when you get to that inexperience like he goes in with this confidence he can defuse his bomb and then he gets to the point where the guy's not wanting to share the answer like he just wants to die and this is riddler's plan like he knows that he's not going to speak up because he knows what's going to happen and you just watch him just like Watch a guy get blown up. <laughs> and now everyone's questioning, is he part of it? And he gets back on the right track. I'm like, what well, you were saying, then the penguin speaks better Spanish than both of them. And they realize, right. oh, they messed up again. Mm-hmm. Um, and the red was just sitting in prison, just laughing away. <laughs> and he's only in prison because he put himself in the diner yeah. because he wanted to <laughs> yeah. be caught. That that it's it's like there's no way they would have catch the Riddler if unless he was wanted to because he was so many steps ahead in his plan and then Gotham PD, then Batman, then Gordon, all of them. Which also like too, with that diner scene, um, you know, like, yes, yes. Uh, Falcone is the, um, is the rat with wings. Um, and he is the one that's intended for the, the bring him into the light. But if you notice too, when Batman like steps up to the, the window of the diner, he is also in the light at that moment mm-hmm. as well. So he could technically be just as much of a rat with wings. Dude, I feel like I could gush for literally hours about every little like technical aspect of storytelling that Matt Reeves was able to pull off with this movie, but we will not go into that. Um, the one thing that was really good with discussing the diner scene and how the Riddler allowed himself to get caught. That is one thing that you notice within seven that is done very well. It's yeah. In the, it, it's the straight Dude, identical this is the fincheriest batman movie mm-hmm. ever and that just makes me you know what it does uh six to midnight and he gets Dude, there's almost and he is there no way that. that any movie this year any there's not there's not another movie that could possibly come out that could top this for you is there uh there are a couple but that's obviously a discussion really day. can top oh. this yeah this it's was mar- the, it's march they were like hey you know if that brett white Whiteside guy like go to the theaters anymore no you're done You've seen the best movie, dude. This is the best picture, baby. The best. Dude, I'm telling no, like seriously, it's like they got into a room, they're like, hey, there's this Brent Whitesides guy, and he fucking loves David Fincher and the Batman. So let's make him a Batman movie. Here he goes. And they make made it three especially hours. in gift wrapped for you. Exactly. And make three it three hours. hours. Uh yeah. but yeah, that's that's the Riddler. And um, it should go without note that we get a third 
villain. And that, that being Colin Farrell's the penguin. And when it was first announced that we were going to be keep getting villains and villains and villains, it was starting to get a little heavy. And you're like, is this going to work? Like, how are we going to get that? And then when you see the, the, I I mean, I'll call myself out on it when the trailer came out and you see the penguin in it. I did not believe that that was Colin Farrell. I was even telling you guys, that's not him. That's not him. And then you go, you go and find out that it is and that they decided to put on this, this, prosthetics on Four him and hours it, of fucking prosthetics and it looks fantastic and he chews every scene and he's getting yeah. a tv show now because of it and i i can't wait and colin farrell Dude, being a fantastic actor on its own merit he brings him in and he gives him like a little to work with but he he runs the table like he really does a great job and you see at the end of the movie, he's looking over that mm-hmm. like flooded Gotham and like dude yeah. he's a penguin and you know what know, they do right? better than flying they swim so like he I think what what's going to happen is like there's going to be like multiple sex. They're going to like different villains are going to take over different portions of Gotham and whatever because of the flood. And but like, dude, what you said, I was the I was like, fuck, no, I want some short stubby guy like a Danny DeVito to play the penguin. This is you're you're hiring an, uh, a hot guy to play an ugly dude. This is yeah, this right. is a slight on ugly actors everywhere. And I was like, this can't work. And I'm eating my words because he is so good as the penguin. And it's another clear cut proof or piece of proof that Matt Reeves can take any character and stitch them into the world properly. He's just this enforcer for Carmine Falcone. It works so well. It's uh, and, and now we see where he is now, uh, probably about to start running shit. So he's. The, the way they he's not the penguin as in the conventional sense where he's quacking like a goddamn duck, but he's the fucking penguin because he's this gangster thug and he looks like the penguin and the prosthetics are like, dude, that's like better than the Winston Churchill uh, shit. Like, it's so good. I I liked him uh, for the little bit that we do get of him. Um, definitely liked uh, his quip back to uh, Gordon and Batman, the. The, what the hell is this uh, good cop, bad shit cop? Uh, like that. that made me laugh. In that scene, uh, I love that he waddles away because they haven't mm-hmm. like tied. That, that's the mm-hmm. one little penguin thing they gave us. Fuck it. I, I, I think I like tapped Johnny when we were watching it. I'm like, yeah, he's waddling like a penguin. <laughs> I will, uh, I will say though, I would, I would like them to not, like hold off on these TV shows until we could get like the movies done first. Well, they, no, they canceled I want, no, no, they canceled no, no. I kind of want the penguin to, I want the yeah. penguin show and I want this Arkham show and to give a, give us more of the world before we go into the next movie so that we once again, don't have to waste time establishing things. I mean, uh, I, I get that, but at the same time, I feel like if they're going to do this penguin show, he will be a, you know, almost a small blimp on the radar for yeah, whatever sure. no, next movie it. he'll be in. So I would rather, you know, if, if you know we were to get uh, the Penguin and Mister Freeze working together for some something like that would be kind of cool. I don't know if that. Could yeah, happen, my thing but... is, my thing is, Matt Reeves handles so many villains. We we've talked this whole podcast about how like too many villains and trying to balance all that is is detrimental. In this movie, you have the villains from Batman Returns, a villain from like three of the different fr- franchises, Carmine Falcone. And the Riddler from Batman Forever, all in one movie, all handled extremely well and all given their time to shine without feeling like they were forced in too hardcore. It's really crazy how well balanced this whole movie is when it comes to the characters and the character development. I and, will say go ahead. Like, when when they started to 
more develop the Falcone side of things. Um, it kind of worried me just for a little bit because I was like, okay, now I feel like because we've spent so much time on this, I feel like we've got nothing of the Riddler. Um, yeah. And I felt like, you know, oh, like the Riddler is supposed to be the main villain. But then, but you know, and that's hard to, to kind of like, feel but then you have to also realize you're in a three-hour movie and especially on first experience like you don't know how long this feels when you're actually within it but i love that like how they cap it off is dude uh maroney's in jail carmine falcone is is dead and now we can like go into the more batman-y villains being the the crime bosses of gotham and not have to worry about these two other guys like they're of the past so that's really cool it wraps up really quickly quickly but yeah I like that it felt like Arkham Asylum Penguin. Mm, that I can relate to that. Is, he is a gangster. I f- totally feel like if it's if going with Brett was saying earlier, if they break it up into different parts of the city, it's going to be owned by different villains because of the flood. I could totally see the Penguin having like an iceberg part. Like if it's Gotham set in the winter and this part's freezing, I could see him setting up a whole lair where this penguin's running a whole gangster crime scene as a giant this part of the shark. city. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully. And then, you know, I saw like earlier of people with like face paint. Like I could see that being like the Joker's part of the city. Like people start like, you know, falling for the clown or people like the Riddler. Um, I love that each villain in this added something to the movie. And I didn't feel like it took away from the Riddler. I feel like it added it. Because I feel like the Riddler played with the other villain. Threw Batman on the trail of maybe this guy's the rat with no wings like a penguin. Or the crime boss is getting into Bruce Wayne's head. Because he knows about Bruce Wayne's past, but doesn't know that like Batman and Bruce Wayne are the same person. Another great element from like the Hush comics that they pull. Yeah, my my favorite thing... Yeah, it's it's great to have an actor as Colin Farrell to play the role because even if it being as small as it is, and what we get with future films or the TV show is, he's gonna do the best with it. Like instead of and it works. And so if it was someone else, and and you're committing so much to the story of this character, it could have been bad. And knowing we got Colin Farrell at it, it's it's great. I mean, I look forward to what we get more with that. Um, we get a new Commissioner Gordon, and yeah. Jeffrey Wright does. I mean, he does something interesting with it. And like we've said before with Batman is you kind of have to bring something new to it. And Jeffrey Wright, I mean, we're established right off the bat too, that the bat signals already been made and he already has this relationship with Batman and they work together very well. And I mean, I've I've said it once, I'll say it again. Uh, The relationship reminded me very much of Morgan Freeman and Brad Pitt and seven and how they were working this, uh, the investigation together. And they, I mean, it was great. Uh, He's, Right off the bat, I mean, Gary Oldman can't be replaced as Gordon. Yeah, but Jeffrey Wright touched that. Yeah, Yeah. but Jeffrey Wright, I mean, I loved what he brought to it, and I love that we changed the race to the character, and we got to see something new. And I think the world that we have with Gotham, this Gordon is great for it, and he's not commissioner yet, which is even cooler. I like the level of trust he has for this Batman. The scene where it's Batman in a like a little cage room in the uh, GCPD. And he's and like the only ally he has in that room is Jim Gordon and he finds a way to get him out. It's it just it's a great establishment of their relationship and and their them being allies. It's it's literally just Gordon it that's backing the bat. 
literally. And I think that's that's a, a new one for for these Batman movies, which I really liked. And like you said, it's it's very much that he is the Morgan Freeman of it all in this situation. But that's not a complaint. That's a that's a win. I love how uh, you're saying Morgan Freeman in seven, even though Morgan Freeman has been in a Batman trilogy. Right. right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Uh, I, uh, I also think, you know, yes, like there's fleeting differences and, and greatness between both him and Gary Oldman. I kind of like this take a little bit more. Um, I feel like he's a little bit more of a human, a, more human feeling um gordon will also kind of more trust within batman um there's definitely yeah, they have more of a instances yeah there's more there's more instances of of them working together rather um you know dark knight you know the ending for instance you know they're kind of you know um fighting between each other like they're trying to like they're not really working together in that aspect i also like to that like in this one he's kind of more uh like a like a 70s like cop a little bit too like like especially yeah, he's when doing they, the gruff little voice well the voice but then also like the line where where like they go to the diner and and uh he's like put your hands up you son of a bitch like to oh sure to the riddler and everything like you know like he, he's got that feel and it's, and it's fun to watch and i think he does a great job um and it's definitely fun to see between you know, the thumb drive between URL and um, rat with wings and, yeah. you know, all these different beats where, where um, Batman kind of is a step ahead of Gordon, but at the same time, like them to like buddy copy like this out and everything. Do you, um, do you want to talk about John Saturo's Falcon? I mean, we, we mentioned a little bit, but like he was kind of like there and gone. And uh, one of the little bit more messier parts of the movie was his the whole connection with Catwoman. But I still loved his performance as the character. He felt sleazy and uh, like he had been in, in like they said, he's been in charge of this underworld of Gotham for forever. He's been controlling the mayor, the the, the D.A., all of it. And uh, you it's that's believable. But like, yeah, it's he's he is one of the one villains that gets maybe the least amount of like development in all of it, but still great. Nonetheless, I think we could just move on to talking about Matt Reeves. Just yeah. How Matt Reeves Ooh. fucking killed this dude. How his vision is so clear and this world he's built and this Gotham City he's built is so tangible and gruff and gruff and gritty and. And and grimy and like just and once again, the comparisons to seven is fucking always raining in Gotham, which just also like gives it like it's a lead into the fact that like the, the, the inevitable downfall of the city is going to be a flood. It's all so perfectly constructed. It's an amazing piece of filmmaking. It's so much more than a comic book movie. It's really it's like the Logans, the Dark Knights. The, the even I would say the Infinity Wars, it's that step up from what a comic book movie can be to become this genre film. And it's admirable and round of applause. Matt, Matt Reeves, I fucking love you. I've loved you since Cloverfield. But yeah, you fucking what a what a what a performance. What a what a directing performance. Matt Reeves, if you're I know you're listening to this. Um right. That was the best DC movie since the Nolan trilogy. Yeah, okay. Like, Absolutely. I don't, there's really nothing that really compared to that. Mm. Like, I like the Joker. I like Suicide Squad. But this made me feel like DC's back. 
You know, what we mm-hmm. actually wanted, like a dark, gritty superhero movie. I was a little skeptical that it wasn't R, that you weren't going to go push it as far as I wanted. They but didn't did. need it, man. And, well, that's what I was, you know, getting to. Mind I think they did. I think they did, but they did it in a way that, like, you could get away with PG-13. Like, they just blurred him out, like, him choking a guy out in the car. But they went that far. Like, we knew how dark it got, but I think they did it perfect. And I, that's what I, like I wanted to... out of uh, Batman. <laughs> I like, too, how they managed, like, like you said, how they blurred out, um, you know, uh, Gil getting choked out. Like, they basically found moments to still make something look creative and, and like, um, and dazzling within something that they were trying to get around a uh, limitation. Because, like, that obviously was taking it away from being R. And, like, it's still, with it being blurred out, like, looked awesome. It was like, here's how we make it dark without sacrificing anything. I feel like it added more, and they kept it in that PG-13. I think they did it perfectly. Oh, yeah. Blurring added a whole sense of punch to this Riddler. Like, this Riddler doesn't care. <laughs> there is no boundaries, and we're just living in his world. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, my favorite thing with, um, like, Reeves certainly does create um, this Gotham that is very drenched, and it has that film noir aspect and the the, the filter with it, too. Uh, I love that, like, that graininess to it. And the shots that we get between dusk and dawn and overall, like, I mean, almost each character has a different uh, tone to the film and that all in the vision that all comes from Reeves. And he has um, what's really interesting with him in general is like he can take these constructed plots like a found footage monster film uh, in, with an alien, uh, a vampire film, a movie about apes. And he's still able to create a visual language to it that we haven't seen before. And like there's this trust that he's now gaining after each film. And I'm surprised it hasn't even like we know they're getting TV shows, but I'm surprised we haven't even heard about sequels yet. But he's come out. Oh, talking there's about no it. way that. Yeah, oh, well, no I know. But like getting a sequel. But there's that the, the trust that is already being built with like how he can handle a film in terms of budget and the production. And I mean, I know we we've had our discussion with it, but like he's able to create something quick and he can get it done in a timely manner. So like we're not waiting four or five years where like Christopher Nolan, he made a film in between each batman and, and with what we're gonna get now like reeves is totally invested in god yeah, and, and in batman he's gonna make tv shows in between films which is what we want i mean he just came out today saying like the arkham series is gonna be more based on around like the horror genre and like we haven't had that uh and it's gonna be fucking awesome like what we can get with that and it it's amazing how for myself yes like he created a batman movie that revolved around seven zodiac um there's that bullet film that came out a long time ago that is really great um we haven't even mentioned it yet but the fucking batmobile and that chase sequence was on that whole scene gives that me was amazing goosebumps every time oh yeah and yeah and well, i and loved how it like stalled the... and then he had to start it yeah. go again like it was it was a monster Dude, and when that when that engine fucking revs in the theater you yep. feel that shit in your chest oh my god that was probably one of the best like moments in that movie was just when all of a sudden like the soundtrack takes like full control mm-hmm. um, with that rev and everything. And you and you get like that experience of like the Batmobile, like 100 percent. And like that was a great way to open 
like the Batmobile. And, and I love in that scene where you only get the score hit that like theme, the dun dun dun, when he's gaining on the penguin. And when he's not, it kind of like fades out. Like if you're listening, really, dude, I mean, it's it's a perfectly constructed action set piece. They the way uh, the the practicality of it all, like Matt Reeves has been going on and on about how they actually jumped the Batmobile through a fireball. The cinematography of the whole scene, it's raining in that scene. Also, there's so much, so much, so much stylistically that he does to enhance this movie. And honestly, we should have known better because Matt Reeves took. A con- the concept of the planet of the apes and flipped it on its ass and give us gave us something that is not even close to being a remake of the source material it's very much his own thing and that's what he's done with the batman now um, oh yeah so we can go ahead and uh talk about the elephant in the room but uh there is a tease uh, towards the end of the film that could i mean could have been uh the the end credit scene because we didn't even get one we i mean it's been a long time since we get a website at the end of a movie but right it wasn't we, an end credit scene it was yeah. fucking homework we get it was right? an easter egg we get and it's um, still not done it's, it's i don't know like, it's still ongoing like it's i've been kind of keeping up to date from this guy on youtube but like it's it's pretty cool Okay. It's gonna be like uh, I like that we're getting a, an ARG connected to a movie again. And uh, Matt Reeves is very much known for having ARGs connected to their film. That's like infamously what Cloverfield did. They had MySpace pages for all the characters in the movie and they had like interactions with people going into it, making it seem like this was a real life thing. And it's, it's something Matt, Matt Reeves is very famous for. So to see him re-implementing something like this for a Batman movie is very cool. But so that's like you looking in the room. It's yeah, not that's a yeah. Um, <laughs> so the last we see of the Riddler is he's locked up in Arkham and he realized like he sees that his plans failed and his cellmate or not cellmate, but his neighbor, um, he starts, you know, bringing the conversation and sort of gives him a riddle and the riddle, you know, the, I don't, um, it's like, if you have nothing, what do you have more of or something like that? And it's a friend, which is quickly gaining the trust. And they're talking to, I mean, I know Chase and I were discussing this, but like he's addressing the the theme, the topic or whatever of a comeback, of a comeback story. And it's revealed that he's the Joker. Like he, he just drops as a clown. He just says a clown, a joke. Um, yeah. And I feel like I know you can kind of pull. Um, uh, there's like a, a little glimpse of like what you can see of Barry Cogan uh, as the Joker. Uh, there's no white makeup, but you can see the scars on his face. Um how we got those we don't know when i when i get a, co- a copy of this movie you know i'm gonna be blowing that up and like trying you can to pause like it right now and you're, you can it. just go into an auditorium and pause it and you'll be able to get that yeah but i can't mess us. with the light settings is what i'm saying it'll be on it's lasted and like expose it so yeah I true see. yeah it's uh, it's a scene that um i mean i'm gonna be honest like right off the bat like I'd much, I, I loved yeah. it the first time but the second time i was like I really wanted to. If you do, I don't love. I don't like the laugh. I don't like the laugh. I, I it was too. Laugh. It was too. And not like it was too it much. Was too we didn't need it. it was too we didn't, forced. We didn't. It, need it. it wasn't consistent, but I did like it. I love that they didn't say anything in the trailer about it. They didn't say anything in the movie, and then you just have to find out like real time at the end right. of the movie that it's going to be Joker. Debatable. My, uh, my well, I, yeah, I, there yeah. were like leaks. Yeah, my, well, my I, thing with the, I stay away. I'm not Chase. That's like, oh, let me look at Twitter. Oh no, leaks. hey man, I'm so angry. Film Twitter, <laughs> film Twitter. Yeah. got his ass. Dude, I had oh. I had to mute it. I had to mute it this time because I got No Way Home spoiled like half the movie. Yeah, on Twitter like right. three months before the movie came out. I went completely blind in this movie. <laughs> yeah, I did too. 
I mean, dude, um, he, my whole thing with the Barry Keown fi- uh, casting is we didn't get nearly enough of a look for me to mm-hmm. make a like solid, uh, pi- like opinionated judgment on what I think about this Joker. We, and it's like from, through a, a glass. But from what, but, right. But from what I've seen, I don't know that I'm, I'm loving it. Obviously, this is a yeah, this is a new inter- iteration of the Joker. This is this is going to be something unique. And I think Barry Keown is like good enough to do the role. But Matt Reeves has already teased that there was a much more detailed and, 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 and longer scene of Batman actually interrogating the Joker. And fuck you. You have my money for that director's cut. If you put that scene in there, I well, swear it made, to God. And it makes sense why they didn't use it, because he wanted sure. to complete the Riddler story. Um, yes. It was yes. in. Uh, just to kind of like address it, it was supposed to be a tease, kind of like in the Killing Joke, where yes. um, Batman's trying to figure out what, like, what who the Riddler is, and he's going to go to someone that he knows that he's already captured before in terms of like a serial killer and like a person he has experienced in this field. So he goes and visits the Joker, and I, I think that I would have much rather wanted that scene. I mean, I know it yeah. wouldn't. I mean, I probably would be complaining that the Riddler's part has. I'll take been a three-hour and twenty-minute cut but, of this movie, please. I mean, was, I don't know if it would have been 20 minutes, but no, I'm nah, not just one scene. Like I'm hoping there's more. Scene. I think it would have been really cool to just just to have that moment um, where, you know, Batman goes in there because then we're kind of like left with like they have history and we haven't had that in uh, that vision yet. You know, we're always meeting Joker when Batman's meeting Joker. We haven't had that already introduced yet. And maybe I know I don't want to get ahead of ourselves here, but we're like in talks of sequels. It, are we automatically just going to get thrown into the Joker, like, or are we going to be not. able to sit on the I don't side, think so. sidelines? I hope, I, it, I, hope he gets, I hope he gets sprinkled a little bit throughout the re- next couple of movies, but I want five of these fucking movies. I want nearly every Batman character to be a part of this movie, dude, or this movie I, I franchise. Wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if he's not even in the next movie. Like I would, I would think, and he could be, but like, I, another thing too, is I don't think he is done growing just like how batman and so i like what we yeah. saw that little no, bit think of he, what yeah. we saw of him i think he will transform into something totally different by the time we actually joker. get him as as the joker as like the main villain yes um if if you're ever worried though about like how barry is going to take the joker i highly recommend watching the film the killing of the sacred yeah Man, because that is what matt reeves saw that really wanted him in this and i think if uh, that is a good like you know, character that can help build what we have uh, coming forward. And, and I'm certainly excited about it. And, and there could be far, like, I mean, I'm not kidding you. We could have had Jared Leto play Joker again. Like there could have been far worse options out there. And at least we have a young actor who has a lot to gain from it and has potential. And that's, that's always a good thing to say, but in, in no one's ever going to beat Heath Ledger, but at least we get tries or attempts. But well, no one's going to beat is- Mark Hamill. I need, I just need to know that this one has a sequel and we're not going to be teased like the end of Batman versus Superman or whatever that movie was of Deathstroke being teased and never get it. Like, I'm just glad that we can safely say of how the success is, even with a pandemic, uh, that we're probably going to get a sequel. Hopefully, you know, like Brett's saying, like four or five movies. I'd be totally down to see Matt Reeves take on like Scarecrow. Uh, well, I would Johnny, you're getting, you're getting, oh, yeah. Johnny, all right, you're let's, you know what? Let's, others. it's a perfect time to jump into this because, yeah, we have obviously there's a whole fucking long list of rogues gallery uh, members of the Batman that we would love to see injected into this universe. So I think we should go 
like me and Brent set up and we have a bunch of fan castings and like different things, how we would implement them into the sequel. Let's well, let's go one by one and just talk about them. We can start with the Scarecrow right off the bat. It's I mean, especially if they're doing an Arkham series, I feel like he is the perfect character, like a psychotherapist or whatever is the perfect character to introduce in that series specifically. And I'll tell I'm going to preface right now. Nearly all of my castings are just huge names, just maybe unobtainable huge names. But I was thinking for the Scarecrow, you could go like Adam Driver, maybe a Walton Goggins, I think could do that really, really, really well. David Tennant is one I saw a lot of when I was. I, like, dude, I've seen so many things. Yeah, yeah, but that's, that's been something. From I'm like, really yeah, getting tired uh, of it. Years. I don't believe it. And it's solely because of his performance as the Purple Man. And then I was also thinking Dev Patel, dude. Could, oh, my God. Yeah, that's exactly what I have. Oh, yeah, but he'll never do it. He said he said Fucker. very famous. Sorry, dude. He said very famously that he will not do franchise films, though. So if he just does one, then we're fine. He, does, he did one. <laughs> yeah. He um, did Avatar. And that's why he won't do that, like anything. Yeah. Do, do you two see an actor that you would like to play Scarecrow? That's we'll, we'll kind of play the we'll kind of play the ball. And yeah, we'll, we'll get everyone's little opinions, little little picks. To well, be I mean, honest, I don't really have one off the top of my head, but definitely sure. out of Driver, I, I kind of could see some things for me formulating driver can handle anything so we're we're yeah, exactly, i mean if he yeah. could do the best out of kylo ren then we're fine <laughs> yeah yeah johnny he can throw hissy fits wow. every two seconds he can do this one i would honestly like to see adam driver be a villain after uh seeing his performance in marriage story um he's obviously <laughs> obviously can handle all these different roles uh that wall you know he's really good with knives um so let's see him with uh Fear gas. <laughs> sure. That would be uh, pretty cool to see. Yeah. An- another really famous character that I think would be very easily implemented into the, the new world since, I mean, you they literally need a new DA because their orig- old one blew the hell up. Uh, who would, uh, Two-Face, who would you cast as, uh, as Two-Face, Brent? I'll let uh, you go first so I don't spoil anything. I, I think Chase might actually like this one, but uh, I'm going to go with Steven Yeun. Uh, he's a young actor, Ooh, and and I, I like think that one, and I think that I could like that dude. flip the script. I know it might be because uh, there's a lot of actors that I'll go through um, in terms of like, could you would they want to like we we're just talking about with Depp Patel? He doesn't want to do franchises again, but like you, you got to start asking yourself like, who wouldn't want to be a part of this you franchise? Like this, like I uh, I think he's a young actor that can take on, and I know with the idea like messing with sequels and trilogies and whatnot like you can really insert yourself and we don't have a da so throw in a da throw in harvey dent and then you can obviously build him into two-face obviously but yeah i want to see harvey dent and then two-face i don't want to instantly go into two-face and then you get those flashback scenes like we've had in previous films but i think he'd be good as the two-face part too i I know 100 he's already had he's already had that makeup and everything done before so i mean Mm -hmm. it would work it, My whole thing was I want Two Face because I want Batman. I need Batman to have a Bruce Wayne friend so that people will stop complaining about it being ninety nine percent Bruce. Oh, and Batman, it'll humanize the Bruce Wayne yes. side. You could have mm. an established, maybe like former that. relationship with Harvey yeah. Dent. Mm-hmm. Then he becomes DA. They're already be friends, and it like again, it it, is, it gives us more of that Bruce Wayne that people were wanting. That like some people ended up being a gripe that they had. Uh, so it'd be the perfect way to re- like give him that that friend is have an like because they they kind of did that in the dark night, but they were really just meeting for the first time. 
and not actually close as close as they were in, say, the animated series. And that's what I want. Well, and it's definitely more of a competition in the Dark Knight because Rachel is the yeah. the prize between them. It's a love triangle. So yeah. So and also, okay. While we're on the topic of doing that, um, who would you see as Rachel? Well, that one. Like, Rachel's be, a non-existent not a, character in this not, fucking universe. Yeah. <laughs> Get yeah, out of here! Totally no one cares. Rachel is maybe my dude. You know the the whole Rachel the like. The inserted love interests are like like my least favorite part of the whole Batman movie. Batman has no time for love. Do do you guys have a fan casting of Harvey Dent, Two Face? Oh no, uh, yeah, I got a bunch, dude. But yours kind of blew me away. Uh, oh, I yeah. said, I said, uh, I think Jake Gyllenhaal. Just throwing that out there. Well, like, why the fuck not? Uh, speaking of Rachel, um, <laughs> Oscar Isaac. He's busy with Moon Knight now, but I think he could also do the duality real well. But my my for real pick is Sam Rockwell. I think going him going toe to toe with Robert Pattinson is, and I mean that's a little bit biased. A lot of these picks are going to be a little bit biased, but I think that would, I think those would all really work well. But yeah, Stephen Yoon kind of like takes the cake in my opinion. Uh, what else do you want? Uh, oh, I guess let, I, let, oh, Chase Johnny, oh, do you have a do you have a pick for that? I'm happy with yours to right. be honest. That one, yeah, I didn't. Right. Go I, I will I will collect the checks on that but, one. Uh, yeah, we'll just give Brett the money. Fine. Point Brent. <laughs> Jesus Christ. This is now uh, a competition. <laughs> fuck. Now it's a competition. Cinema. Uh, I want, well, it's one to go. one because I got Adam Driver. <laughs> no. Uh, well, Speaking I guess we that. can move on. I was going to say, why don't you guys name a villain and then we'll start off with there. Right. Even if you Mr. don't have Freeze. like a casting in mind. Uh, but yeah. Oh, Mr. I, I got Mr. Freeze for you. I the Tooch. Go with, like, yeah, I want to go with villains that we haven't seen before. Beautiful. Like, I would like, I want to see like a hush. Like, I think that would be really cool in a Matt Reeves universe. You're getting ahead of yourself, Johnny. I know. Yeah. How am I getting ahead of yourself? You... So you're going to say uh, Mr. Freeze, and then we'll go around the room and we'll like. Yeah, no, no. It. Yeah. We got to do. We each got to say our Mr. Freezes oh. before you jump into Hush. But yeah, I, I had I had Stanley Tucci written down. I had Brian Cranston written down because I saw Someone's that. Someone's been on Google search way yeah, too little much. A go- little bit of Google. <laughs> And then, but like also Christoph Waltz, just like Tucci is my number one, but I, I wanted to have a couple of options for each one. And I, and I would be happy with all of those castings. Anyone but Arnold Schwarzenegger. I should also get a redemption. Glorious. Glorious. What about you, Chase? Let's have a multiverse. We'll have Arnold come in with the new guy and uh, we'll do it that way. No, but uh, as much as everybody probably hates the makeup for Arnold, that's the one thing I would want to come back. Um, well, you would yeah, have to have I, that light skin, I would imagine, right? Yeah, it would definitely have to be super pale. But the way they could grab, I mean, cryogenics is a real thing, so they could easily ground this in reality and figure out a way to make it all work and 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 give us that like that we were talking about earlier. How the, the Mister Freeze has a such a tragic story, and he's a villain that you can easily uh, feel for. So yeah, all you have to really do is make the freeze gun work somehow. But yeah, I, I like I said, Stanley Tucci, Christoph Waltz, Brian Cranston. I think those are all great picks. I could I could see like maybe even a Mark Strong if he, he but he's already in the Shazam world. I I want Mark Strong. That would be that's a good awesome. answer. Is that your pictures? Yeah, I'm gonna go with Mark I, Strong. I um, I mean, Daniel this, Craig. Yeah, uh, this all is right, Google. Cer- certainly my most. Well, I mean, I'm like, who wouldn't want to be a part of this franchise? Uh, and Dude, like, honestly. <laughs> And the other actors I picked were too young. Like, I think Mr. Freeze has to be an older character. Right. Yeah, he has to have his wife. Because he has to wife, yeah. I I think it has to be in the terms of that one. 
Chase name a villain. Well, no. Well, we can jump over to Hush now for Johnny. Yeah. Let, okay. let let Johnny well, have his moment. Is there anyone do you have in mind? Because I had one in mind for Ben Affleck. Uh, the perfect Hush for Ben Affleck was Matt Damon, and that'll be something we never get to see. <laughs> Because yeah. that's another it's another instance of like Thomas Elliot giving that more human side to Bruce Wayne being a friend that he had before the tragedy, before his parents died, having him reenter his world and and bringing out the more human side and the more Bruce Wayne side of this character would be perfect. But, yeah, who do you think could play this? Because I had trouble casting this one. Uh, that's what I was trying to figure out. Could you like obviously you want someone that like kind of looks remotely close to Robert Patterson? Because the whole point is he's supposed to be, you know, a duplicate Bruce Wayne supposed to be like act like Batman. Um, at oh, least from kinda. the Arkham series. Uh, yeah, at least from it, like yes. the okay. Arkham series. Okay. Take. You're not that's it's not quite Thomas. Yeah. Thomas Elliott is like a doctor or something in the comics. And yeah, he's just like he's just like Bruce's rich friend. But also he ends up being hush and being blah, 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 whatever. Not going to spoil that old ass comic. But yeah, I can totally see what you're saying. Absolutely. Right, because like the answer you want, uh, what I would like to see, obviously not the perfect character for this guy, but I would like to see William Defoe just go against Robert oh. Patterson, uh, just because of the lighthouse. I think that'd be quite interesting to oh, see yeah. that chemistry as hero villain. Um, you don't have you don't want to see the mermaid villain for. A... <laughs> we're gonna have to find a villain for William Defoe to face because I think that would be pretty interesting to see them go against. Uh, each other in a movie <laughs> to be honest i don't really have anyone because i'm not familiar with hush um but i did see frequently throughout this one um that he is teased um mm-hmm. especially in um in thomas wayne's uh uh candidate uh video yeah they definitely uh make little subtle hints um that was another thing too i uh, I wanted to bring up to you guys is I I like the fact that you know in this iteration we actually got like a ton of backstory for like his parents like we got you know Martha who's in and out of institutions mental wards she's in Arkham which is sick yeah like which is crazy um, and then you've got Thomas Wayne who who is a uh, politician who. You know, you we start to think that he might be corrupt, but then you know, Alfred's kind of the one that sets right. the scene of of you know righting that wrong uh, that Bruce is kind of taken under by uh, thanks to Falcone's you know mind games on Bruce and everything. Right, he runs um, for, he runs for mayor, but he, he's still that like the doctor like in the classic comic book, which what I love because he's he, obviously he's did the surgery for Falcone. Uh, the, yeah, yeah, you're totally right. I would if if you're looking at like an older actor to play Hush, um, I would go Viggo Mortensen. I I, I know you kind of had to get similar to what Pattinson looks like, but I think an older Hush character would be kind of neat. I I I was specifically looking at ages when I was picking mine, and, and uh, it's your favorite actor, Brent Nicholas Hold. <laughs> no, I'm just <laughs> kidding. Totally kidding. Wyatt Russell is my pick. I think he would I be. Like a, I think he would be a very good Hush. Because he's already he's already proved he can bulk up and be that like bigger guy. He can like I think he could stand toe to toe with Pattinson. Uh, I think he can get that give that lighthearted performance on the side of Thomas Elliott that I think I want. So that uh, that that would be my my for real pick. I'll, I'll throw my hat on that. Yeah. Point Brett. I like Ryan a lot. 
And he's great. Yeah, I think he's like, he's like 33 patents since 35 or something. So it's, it's, I think it's perfect. And the, I guess we do the one, the, the other female, uh, that at least I have written down poison Ivy. I think it would be really easy to implement poison Ivy without doing the outlandish. I can control giant vines and create flowers. I'm thinking maybe she's just a, a pissed off scientist woman that is slowly using these exotic plants to poison people in a string of murders that Batman has to figure out a way to solve. I think that would be a perfect way to implement her into the story and, and especially into this more grounded world. And like everyone in their fucking moms, like Anna Diarmos, Anna Diarmos. But I'm like, yeah, I think I, I know. know. I think I know. I think you know what actress you want. Oh, go ahead. Ivy, Let's Brad. see. I don't think you do. Um, I, I, I would be kind of shocked that it wasn't this one. <laughs> um, considering Poison Ivy in Arkham Asylum series and some comic books is a redhead for the most part. Well, I'm nearly surprised. always, yeah. Well, yeah. I feel like you're going to choose your favorite redhead, Isla Fisher, to be Poison Ivy. Oh, no. No, 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 no. That's funny. I, I've, now the thought. Well, what? Did you now, pick Amy Adams? Thought. No. <laughs> well, that's what I thought. Uh, I actually I thought of Rose Leslie because she was just in Death on the Nile and she was a great in like Game of Thrones. She's a great classical actor. I think she could play up that like more scientist side or whatever. And then I also said Rebecca Ferguson because like she's fucking Rebecca Ferguson. Uh, I think that one's just a no brainer. Could pull in Emma Mackey from Death of the Nile as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I um I went with like a mix between I mean I would say that I can't say they're older young but uh Jody Comer and Jesse Buckley I think one of them too could really knock it out of the park um they certainly have they I mean they've held themselves in very big films so I and like how you what you're saying Brett with incorporate into the film I think that'd be a really cool idea I mean I know we we don't we, we again, stress we it don't, enough we don't need her living in on a yeah. sleeping on a giant Venus flytrap flower. You just you, you have her be a very a botanist, a scientist, a researcher of exotic poisonous plants, and then boom, you have her have us doing a string of murders. Maybe because the Waynes are polluting something other. Blah 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 blah. But I think it's one of those that like people want to see this done in a more uh, constructive way since it was only done once in Batman and Robin. And it would be one that could and this could even be just like one of the side plots in like a greater story with maybe more villains like the Joker or whatever. But I think it, I think it would work hardcore. I think that's the last of the villains that we've that I have that we've already seen. Oh, wait, Bane. Why well, Bane's fast because who the else I want to I just want to see the luchador Bane. And like Chase was talking about earlier on on the podcast with the little adrenaline shot that. Uh, that uh, Batman uses when he's fighting the Riddler, the faux Riddlers or whatever. A lot of people are saying that's like a prototype Bane Venom. And I'm like, give it to me. Cause like, what if he's already in this world? He's this gangster who is selling this energy drug or adrenaline or whatever on the black market of Gotham or whatever. And he's, and it's something where Batman is now uh, like getting addicted to it or something. So it has to like stop it at its source. I think that would also work really well. And I think the only person that can play Bane in my mind is Dave Batista. But like, honestly, I don't know that I even want that. I don't. You like, don't, I don't, I don't, I don't like Dave Bane Batista. Without making there's not a, there's not a single person that has the structure that I'm looking for. There's not another actor that is like very famous. Jack I don't Black. like my pick. I don't think we need Bane, but that's just me. I want to see Bane again. I want to see Jack Bane Black. done comic accurately. Not a Nacho Libre too, you know? Yeah, I I think it still could work. 
Uh, but then, yeah, other than that, the other ones that I have written down are ones we have not seen in any Batman film ever yet. Mm-hmm. I was gonna, yeah, I was going to say I have those. I have those ready to go. Well, here you go. You you shoot one off real quick and we'll see if we have same ones. Um, so obviously the one that's been heavily mentioned right now is Court of Owls. And I think it desperately should be done. I mean, it has in terms of story wise, what it could do for Gotham and Robert Pattinson. Yeah, it's, 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 it's a it's great big. way to it's a it's great big. way to explo- expose all the like and, the, the, the even more corruptness in Gotham. And like, looking, like all the elite and looking like into the like what the court of owls are. Um, the one that I pick out out of it was William Cobb and looking at like yeah. the, the structure of that. I guess he's like the current one and whatnot. But there's obviously a storyline within Grayson, uh, Dick Grayson, which would be interesting. Yeah. But but I think it, it just in terms of like the one that you would ca- like the one character you would cast to play this. I like Oliver Jackson Cohen, um, especially after rewatching Invisible Man. I thought that was kind of. I mean, you don't get to see a lot of them, but he's really creepy in that where you don't see him a lot. And he has that swifting ability and knowing that the court of house has this like that ninja fighting style, I think could bring a pretty good fight to the mix. So, yeah, my, I, I kind of like the, the the idea of the concept of the greater group of the Court of Owls more than when we have the one uh, the one person. I mean, yeah, you would still, yeah. yeah, you would still you would still you would still do all. that. So, like, I'm just like, if you get a bunch of like these are big name actors to play these like Gotham elite, I'm all I'm all for that. And, yeah, it, it's 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 another it's another incredibly grounded idea that would be really easily implemented into this world that they are already established. So I'm all for that. Totally. But I like another one that I think is like easily implemented and grounded is Hugo Strange. A lot of people have been wanting Hugo Strange for years and years and years. I was thinking maybe doing like a Peter Dinklage thing because he's like that. He's a he's an actor that like even though he's a dwarf, you can like still do the performance. He did great as Bolivar Trask in uh, Days of Future Past. So I think he could really play that sinister Hugo Strange character. Uh, I don't know what he's done. He's been in too many. I don't know. No, no, I'm. T- oh, you're saying he's too popular now? No, he was in Guardian or Aven- uh, Infinity War. He was like I. Th- I think that's yeah. a lot. Like, I, I mean, well, this is a, like a bigger. This would be a bigger role in the greater world. But I, I totally get that. I, I, Hugo Strange is like a like a weird offshoot character that like everyone wants to see. But I don't totally. I don't. He's not my favorite by any means. William Defoe, if you True. want to see him square off again with Robert Pattinson. True. Uh, I also wrote down calendar man. You could just have another, like a string of murders happening over a year that like all coincide with specific dates and times. And like, those are when the murders happen and Batman has to figure out wh- how they correlate with like these events in the past. And you could have, I, I, I was thinking of like Aaron Paul or James McAvoy could, could re- do a really good calendar man. Like, especially the b- version with the bald head and the tattoo across his head. Or even like a Paul Giamatti, if we want to do someone who's like older and weirder, give him a like a villain redemption. That would be pretty cool. I can um, see Aaron Paul. Aaron Paul, I I, that was my is my number one. Yeah, Brent, is there any other ones that you have written down that I don't? Because I have I, I have like two more. I see. I'm surprised you haven't mentioned it yet, but Clayface. I mean, I know it's gonna be. It would okay. be very, yeah. very, very, very hard to pull off in this type of universe. See, but I have an idea. I have right. an idea. Let we already see. saw how excellent the makeup was for Colin Farrell's and the Penguins. So mm-hmm. what if the idea of Clayface is he's not as like, he's not this giant mud man, but he's a criminal that's, uh, that is uh, uh, like executing the string of murders, but he's also just a fantastic actor that's also really good at Hollywood makeup. So every time you see like a crime being done, it's a different person, like almost he can shapeshift, but now, but it's not like based on the superpowers 
And you could still have his like almost nearly exact comic accurate origins where he's super scarred and he feels like he has to hide his face and whatnot. But instead of this weird chemical goo that changes him into a clay face monster, it's just prosthetics. And he's executing the crimes in that sense. And if you're going to do something like that, you can really get uh, like a number of actress, actors and actresses. Uh, you could have them all just playing themselves and do the whole Mission Impossible, remove the face thing. Or you could actually put an actor under all that makeup. And I think someone who could do that is definitely Ray Fiennes. After acting his ass off under the Voldemort makeup, why wouldn't he be able to handle the prosthetics over his face? So I think he would be who I could put his clay face. You didn't have that much prosthetic, so with Voldemort. That no, was I know, but CGI. I'm just saying. I'm saying I think he could still handle it performance-wise. But because because yeah, he's got to be like the Clayface in the comics is like this actor, this like theatrical actor, and that guy, I, basically his face gets all fucked up. I like um, I like Dan Stevens as Clayface. I also like Michael Shannon, but that's again personal, personal pick. Dan Stevens, Dan, that's a good one. That is a good one. Yeah, but I think I think Clayface would be hard, but I think it could work. I would how you're mentioning how you would incorporate it into the story. Uh, I would throw in Professor Pig in a style like Silence of the Lambs. Uh, I I think like you get it. Oh my gosh! he's almost like a Leatherface. I was reading online that he's kind of like the Leatherface within this. So you can throw in like a mixture of like what Hannibal Lecter is and whatnot. Um, I think that'd be pretty fun, and you can really I mean throw any actor out there because it could just be like Ads Mickelson. It could just be he's too busy making apparently Harry Potter's. Yeah, being being Johnny Depp. <laughs> but like, I, th- I think it'd be kind of cool for the next film to like open up with just a one hit villain. Like you just need him for the opening scene or something like that. And oh. it doesn't really have to incorporate much within the story. I, I think that'd be kind of cool. I kind of went the more niche realm also for my last couple. Well, I, I'll say the one that's less niche. Uh, Salman Grundy is a fucking zombie. So it's it's another one that's going to be really hard to try to like get into this more grounded world. But like you could do it as, in the sense that like maybe he's just a mob boss that is presumed <laughs> dead and, and kind of like cheated that way. Mm-hmm. But I would cast one of two people. If you're doing the presumed dead, more mob boss, rich, like underworld uh, Solomon Grundy, you do like maybe a David Harbour could do that really well. Even if you're doing prosthetics, we've already seen he can do good work at least performance-wise, like in Hellboy. Well, I cannot believe that was just said on the podcast. Dude, <laughs> he was not the bad part of that movie. Shut he up. really wasn't. He the really mountain wasn't. from Game of Thrones would be the more zombie-looking one because he's literally already played a gigantic brooding zombie in Game of Thrones. Yeah, I mean, that's not, uh, that's not a bad thing. And then my last one, and the one that I think really could work in this world and would make a fantastic movie is the Mad Hatter. I, I mean, and everyone I talk to loves the, the animated series, loves the Mad Hatter character. It would just be like a string of murders that all have correlations to Lewis Carroll, Alice in Wonderland stuff. Uh, and I think my castings are the fa- my favorite part about this. Uh, I went with Taron Edgerton. I went with a Simon Pegg, or this is my favorite because it's, I think it would work perfectly. I think we would get this incredibly solid performance. Daniel Radcliffe. He's, He's too busy playing Weird Al. I don't, I'm not. That's over. not I'm too not. busy, dude. They're probably already almost done shooting that movie. He would be amazing. It would be a reunion from Goblet of Fire yeah. between Robert Pattinson and Daniel Radcliffe. That would be amazing in and of itself. You want this more like British, like someone that could play this like mad, creepy little, like Mad Hatter character that's like stringing together all these murders. I think it works perfectly. And my my only thing with that though is like 
Daniel Radcliffe is great, but like we haven't seen anything other than Harry Potter to really bring out his acting. And maybe Dude, it's Guns just Army. Kimbo, I, I watched Guns well, and Kimbo a while ago, and I really love him. Well, you didn't see I love Swiss him Army in, Man. I love him. I just, in Swiss, I just Army Swiss Army yeah. Man. Yeah. Um, but like, I mean, other than those, like there really hasn't been something like he just plays this like one-off villain half the time, like, and that doesn't do anything. Nah, I think I mean I I don't know. He does he does all the Broadway stuff. I really think he could get there to the Mad Hatter. And it's like I'm thinking of a specific iteration where he like literally pretty much just talks in poems about like or like Lewis Carroll poems like the Jabberwalker, Alice in Wonderland or whatnot. So yeah. It's one of those, it's another one of those ones, like he said with the uh, pig uh with whatever pig man. What was Professor, it? Professor Pig. Professor Pig. So fucking and it's spelled and it's spelled P Y G. No, I know. Just like that, I think this would be more of a like an opening scene sort of thing, maybe. Like if that's but if you're getting a huge name like Daniel Radcliffe or Taryn Edgerton, it's probably not just a big. I also said Simon Pegg because I just think Simon Pegg could do that no problem. But I I know um we we didn't mention it whatever, but like actor I would like to see in this franchise or in like in this universe uh, would be Simon Pegg Rex. I think that would be kind of fun. Um. Don't oh, I mean well, it doesn't have to play like a villain, but or you know, in something, but I think it'd be kind of cool to see uh that type of actor because he's he needs the redemption tour after yeah, I know. He needs, yeah, he needs he needs a big good project. Um but moving away from the villains, I guess there are plenty of Batman allies. I know in my opinion goes as far as the bad family goes, just I want Dick Grayson, I want Dick Grayson done right. I want 13, 14, 15 year old Dick Grayson. Uh there's there's a couple of like uh twi- like uh, comments going around about how the kid the mayor kid could potentially be the Robin of this world. I don't know. I don't want that. I want Dick Grayson. I want the Dick Grayson origin. I want uh I want him to grow up to become Nightwing. Then I want Tim Drake. Then I want Jason Todd. I want all of them. But oh uh, I, I don't know who I would cast in there because I uh, child like actor. Twenty can... movie plan. <laughs> I want like six <laughs> movies, bro. And if it takes three years between each movie. These 15, 16 year old kids grow, like, they'll start growing. They'll start looking like adults sooner than later. If they're going to do besides, six movies, they're going to do them a little more back to back. Loves it. Yeah. I mean, two years apart. Dude, they did uh, the uh, Harry Potter franchise was like one to two years between each movie. So it's doable. Well, that's uh, the thing we got into a debate about. But I mean, they, they could announce a sequel, they can have it finished. They can have it, the story written, the screenplay written, and all that by the end of the and year. They announce the sequel. They can exactly. start filming it 2023, and then we can have it come out. And like, either I mean, Matt Reeves can work when he in, in terms of when he goes into the post, so he could have yeah. it done. Uh, it's a game already load have it done to release. I mean, the way they're talking, I think it already is, right. but yeah, it could, could it could get released right now. He could get released in 2023, 2024, but you also don't want to rush it. Uh, yeah. And maybe, you know, in terms of like casting, you know, if you get someone big and their schedule doesn't re- revolve around that. And the nice thing, too, is like everyone that was in this film want to do a sequel. They want to be a part of it. And like that's mm-hmm. it's kind of rare to see that because usually you hear about the troubled shooting or like it was a rugged schedules and all that. But they all want to be there. And that that's a good thing. So yeah. I'm looking forward to a very to special it. thing. Totally. Uh, then I would say, other than the, any of the bad family characters, the sidekicks, or whatever, I think Lucius Fox would would fit into this world really well. He doesn't necessarily have to be the Batman tech guy, but he could be the like the Wayne Industries. He could be the the liaison. I I really just want him in there because of who I thought to cast. Uh, huh. Coleman Domingo, dude. No, Sorry. I know what. No, no. 
That's I, I think ridiculous if you no, don't think he can handle that I, performance. You're crazy. I, well, I also think if you look back at he, he could do something better. I well, yeah. I think in the in the Nolan franchise, I don't think Lucius Fox was that big in a way. No, and he's not I, that big of a character. And that's so, why like, I'm I don't, saying I don't feel like we need it because then it kind of gives the whole idea that I want Lucius Fox so that we could eventually get Luke Fox and the Batwing character. That's what okay, I that's what I'm films. leading to. <laughs> Dude, I'm telling you, I if I were Matt Reeves balls never to the wall, if I get any of the things ever again, He's if I get in. any of the things I've said in this podcast, any of the characters, I'm going to be fucking happy. But like, that's just what I want. Like, you asked what I want to see, and I made a fucking list. Pat- bro. Patterson's going to be 50 by the time we're done with these movies, and so he should be. We get Dark Knight Returns, bro. That would be by but that I time, think, maybe think- they'll let Superman in. I think Coleman Domingo could definitely be utilized in a better role than Lucius Fox. Dude, that's crazy. You guys don't understand how much Lucius Fox actually has to do or could do in this world. Like in the comic books, he he runs Wayne Wayne Enterprises for Bruce. And like I and like I said, we we hopefully will start getting more Bruce Wayne throughout the rest of these films. And that's another good way to connect him and ground him with this person that probably knew him in it from his past before his family died like we barely got any alfred in the actual movie we got yeah uh and, and if we're gonna get more alfred in the subsequent film that's great but i just he's think it would alive. be another great character a great bad ally that we could get he's Alfred's alive, alive. I know. anyways <laughs> uh, that's that's where i wrap up what i have uh to, to add I, like i said any of the things i just said could be in any of these sequels and i'd be more than happy they're they're treating these movies more like comic books and being like, hey, we can have all these different characters or all these same characters played by different actors in their own universes and they still work and you can still like watch whatever you want. You can watch the Snyderverse, you can watch the new Mad Reeves and they they can coincide just like comic book runs coincide and they have slight differences to their character portrayals. And that's that's where DC is finally differentiating themselves from Marvel. So hats off for that. Uh, but yeah, man, this was a fucking fantastic movie. I don't know what else we can add. There's there's so much to love about this movie. There's so much to anticipate of what to come. Uh, I don't know about y'all, but I'm fucking exhausted. And I think we should, we're about ready to call this podcast. <laughs> uh, final words about the Batman, about Batman as a character. Chase, Johnny, what do you, what do you got to leave the folks with? I, I like this take of Batman. Um, he definitely rivals... Um, a lot of the other ones and um definitely for an intro movie like a, an origin movie like really comes in and inserts himself so that's that's really cool to see and uh i'm definitely excited to see um where they could take this in the future yeah um very excited for the future what i i haven't read anything about the TV shows, but have they said anything about what Arkham Asylum is going to be? Like, they said, they said that it's going to be more horror-esque, and I gotta assume if that's where the Riddler and the Joker are sitting, that we're going to get, like, characters. I was like, can we expect, like, you know, this to lead to future Batman villains? Like, could we see, like, a Harley Quinn breakdown? Well, that that's one we kind of totally villain, admitted like, well, from our casting. Right. Robbie so, did it too like, good. Because, like, I haven't read anything. So, like, can we expect that? Like, could we see a Killer Croc just in a cell? Like, nah, I don't know. You know how I, much I, Arkham I... Asylum is it going to be? Well, one thing that, I mean, we talked about the the website that was teased at the end and how, like, 
you know, we're keeping up with date with it. The last thing I saw about that was one of the, it's like showing comic book entries, which, I mean, obviously that's one of the biggest Easter eggs you can kind of throw out there. But one of the comic book is the, um, it's the introduction to Harvey Dent, but it's the introduction of Two-Face breaking out of Arkham. And so that could be something we see in the TV show that could lead into possibly the film. And that would be, that would be something interesting. And obviously like, yeah, it's going to have an horror aspect to it. What we get out of that with Riddler and Joker is going to be interesting. Um, I think I saw Reeves, he Reeves did mention, because now they're talking about Joker being in the film. He did say something about how like Joker could make an appearance in it. He would like yeah. somebody of that big stature making an appearance in the TV show, bumps up the ratings. So we'll, we'll see that. I mean, that one's getting more foot off the ground than the canceled cop show. Well, so, not canceled, but pushed aside. I think they're just melding the two ideas for real. I feel like we're going to get a lot of Gordon in this show, uh, that mm-hmm. in the Arkham show that we're going to get. And the fact that it's going to be more horror themed leads me to believe that they got to imply like Crane. They got to put uh, Scarecrow in there. I, I mean, I know, sense. I know we don't want to, uh, you know, beat the hammer on the nail or whatever, yeah. but like I, this is just something I want to tell you guys. Um, but like I thought a really cool idea for an end scene if like don't have the Joker in the film at all. But I think what would have been kind of cool is for the Riddler or to be in, in locked up or whatever. And then you like show a silhouette of a guy walking up and like he's checking. Uh, he's, he's like he has the clipboard and he's checking in the patient and he goes to take Riddler into a room. And then he walks in there and you just see like a conversation starting right now. And he's like, who are you? And, like, and he introduces himself as Jonathan Crane. And then you and then you reveal the actor that plays him. But you, and you just, you know, right off the bat, like this is going to be the the scarecrow but i think that would have been kind of cool like he's gonna start you know diagnosing the riddler and like getting his ideas which will lead him into this dark world of like him becoming the scarecrow which i think would be kind of cool i just want i mean that was one thing that i, I thought of last night because i was like i don't know if i like this joker in there so and it's done i gotta, done, see, I gotta see that times. extended scene man i really gotta it'll be in i think It'll be deleted scenes unless they want to use it for the next movie, but I doubt that it'll be deleted. Then yeah, that's pretty much that's it's pretty much all we got. Thoughts, but that's fine. It's not like it's well, not go ahead. No. Then why are you waiting? I yeah. I mean, this is the. <laughs> I mean, I was waiting for this film for the longest time. I really wish we had the Batman on October in October. I think uh, that type of you know mix between around Halloween and the Batman film would be amazing. Um, but this movie was knocked out of the park. I mean, anticipation was high and it did not let down. Um, I look f- forward to just rewatching it again and just really growing with it and then seeing where we can get more out of it. Um, it there are films, and we, we didn't even discuss this, but like there's a lot of superhero movies coming out this year and they have a tall mountain to climb, a very tall mountain. If I was Marvel, I would be look, like, I would have both my eyes turned around and goosebumps up my back. Like, we have to find a character to create a world like this because we can't keep up. Like the DC I mean, is on top of things. I mean, Taika Waititi was able to get his own Batman in his pocket in his film. I don't know what that means. No, really, you don't. Who's playing Gore the God Butcher again? Oh, Christian Bale. Oh. Yeah, he's got his own Batman. So but maybe that, that maybe might be that... computer animated. So we might not even really or like CGI. No, so we might I not think, even see Christian uh... Bale. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm I can't we wait to see how they're gonna do that. We're what actually. four months away from that. We don't know anything. We haven't seen anything. Like it's top secret. Uh, like, I don't like that. Okay, we're but they like did the four. same shit with Spider Man. We're gonna get it sooner than later. But we that's not. The, really that's not up. a converse. That's not a conversation for this podcast. Well, I know because we're roasting your guy. At this okay. point, <laughs> the, it might have to do with Doctor Strange. So that's probably 
why we haven't gotten it. Who knows? But yeah, that's going to be it. Uh, We're probably going to forego the whole recommendation portion of the podcast because guess what? I'm pretty sure we're going to recommend watching Batman. That's all we're going to just go. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, we just recommend go see the Batman. Go, Go take three hours of your day, buy some popcorn, sit down in a theater and be whisked away to Gotham by Matt Reeves and Robert Pattinson and the world they built together in this fucking amazing movie. Uh, but that is going to be it from the podcast. Thank you, Johnny Chase, for coming on and sharing your thoughts for the last two Batmans we talked about. We knew we had to get you on here to talk about the Dark Knight trilogy because obviously we all really, really just love that franchise. It's one of the reasons why we're all friends. So it's it was great to get your thoughts on that. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Thank you. I'll be back. Johnny's like, no, yeah. I'm just going to keep coming back. <laughs> Not even a thing. Back. We'll no, I'm, down, I'm down to come back, too, if you guys have had me. So thank Most you. definitely, Chase. You're going to have to come back for a regular episode one of these times, and we'll get you. Oh, yeah. we'll, give you a, we'll give you a full full run through of uh, of the Sin Arrivals experience. But, yeah, Sweet. that's going to be it from us today, folks. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.